Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. strength ultimately is my connection with the fans and the connection with the audience people's champion that's so special and that's powerful i am one of the millions 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 finally the rock has come back to baltimore san diego pennsylvania boston British Columbia, Puerto Rico, India, Greece. I am one of a million. I don't just want to be entertained. I want to be electrified. Tonight, we usher in a new era. Tonight, we usher in the people's era. Yes, I can. Doubt, better leave. I'm Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode five of Mania Madness. I'm Mr. Velvet Pipes, Christopher Platt, and Mania Madness is a limited exclusive by the chair shot. Where we're breaking down 
the previous 36 iterations of WrestleMania, six packs at a time. This week, we're discussing Mania's 25 through 30, which means we're going to talk about the end of an era, the rise of the Yes Movement, and finally, the great one has come home. But before we get into all of that, I do have to let you all know that Mania Madness is brought to you by the good folks at ChairShot Radio in conjunction with the ChairShot Radio Network, reminding you to always use your heads. Folks, we're roughly two weeks out from the granddaddy of Maul, WrestleMania 37. And whether you're making that trek down to Tampa or you're going to be posted up like paint on walls on your couch watching this event, watch it in style. So make sure you go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot and pick up an official Chair Shot t-shirt. We literally have something for everybody. And I got to be honest, folks, we depend on that. The reason that we're able to provide this content that you love so much here at The Chair Shot is because of listeners like you that are loyal and devoted, and we love each and every one of you. So make sure you support the cause. Go into ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot. Please and thank you, thank you, and please, TheChairShot.com. We're not just a website, we're a movement. So as I said previously, we're going to be breaking down Mania's 25 through 30 today. But before we get to that, I do have to introduce my esteemed panel. First and foremost, from the Chain Wrestling Podcast, the Badlands Podcast, from Five Rounds Podcast. I mean, folks, quite frankly, I can't name everything this Melon Farmer has got his hands in right now. To be quite literal, the man has more podcasts than Mrs. Hart had children. From all the way across the pond. Put your hands together and show your love for the one, the only, Mr. Mags. Wow, what an amazing introduction. I mean, I normally introduce myself as, as podcast syphilis because I've just been around that many people. But, um, yeah, thank you for, for the opportunity. I was blown away when you uh, extended the offer. And, yeah, no, I, I'm so glad to be a part of it. And it, it, the only shame is, it's a pleasure to have you, by the way, but it's a shame that you, as your gimmick in WCW, the laughing man Hugh Boris, never got the opportunity to actually compete at a WrestleMania. So, but shout out, man, you had a good career, you were doing the training thing, you got a little wild, and they had to let you go, but you had a good run, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. That's what you get for bullying, uh, bullying people at the performance center, I suppose. You get bummed out with a shot on on chair shot, brother. I've been all jokes aside, man. I've been I've been wanting to work with you for a while, so this is a pleasure for me. I appreciate you coming on, and you have now been officially initiated into the family. So welcome to the family, brother. It's it's amazing. I mean, like I said on on a recent episode of DWR, it's only took being part of the chair shot a year for me to to be brought in. <laughs> I've got through my kind of probationary period, and now I'm actually part of the clique. So amazing. Um, I, I fully appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And along with Mr. Mags, we brought one of his partners in crime. These two, they're everywhere together on the chair shot, and they go together like peanut butter and cough syrup. From Three Man Weave, from Bandwagon Nerds, ladies and gentlemen, damn, I, I just blank. He'll let you know the other one. Outsider's Edge, I beg your pardon. Ladies and gentlemen, the illustrious Mr. Ray Cash. <laughs> Peanut butter and cough syrup. I'm from the <laughs> south. I'm from the south, so it does uh, kind of fit. I'm from the home of lean. Uh, 
uh, I'm very happy to be here, of course. You know, uh, the second you did this, I, I wanted to be on. Two things. One, you had quite the ominous intro. Like, it, I felt like I was, I felt like the new Avengers movie was coming out in the world where people, like, that was okay. Number two, shout out to future Hall of, WWE Hall of Famer, Mr. Flo Rider. Because he had about six or seven of them things for <laughs> WWE WrestleMania. We really should be doing Flow Rider Mania Madness and not just Mania Madness for the record. That's, ne Welcome. that's next Welcome year. Welcome to my house. That's next year, by the way. We'll do the uh, Flow Rider anthology. Because he had a couple moments with Heath Slater as well. And by the way, man, shout out to Carl and Kyle from the Outsider's Edge as well, man. I didn't mean to flood. Please blame it on the brain, not the heart. It was a, it was a brain fart. I apologize. Uh we're on hiatus right now. I don't expect nobody to remember us, but we we coming. We hidden, but we hidden boys hard when we come back. Understand. Last, but certainly not least, and it's funny because I was thinking about this right before we started recording, and it's kind of starting to remind me of the uh, Lindsey Buckingham spot on the "What's Up with That" skits on SNL. <laughs> but seriously, this is my brother. If you hear my voice. He's not going to be far behind the commissioner, Mr. PC Tunney. Every chair shot t-shirt bought at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot assures that my family doesn't have to eat jelly donuts for another day. Got jelly donuts. Doom, doom, doom. I can't do that, man. We got enough to cover. Man. Probation, go sensation, acclimation, flozation. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Who hey! we? What up with that? What up with that? Who we? What's up? I said, what is up with that? What? Maurice the what? That was totally worth it. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you for that. I, so, I now so wish we got SNL over here in the UK because that went well over my head. <laughs> we'll, send, we'll send you some YouTube videos. Trust me. <laughs> Yeah, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. So before we get started here, uh, gentlemen, one question that I do like to ask all the panel members that come on, and Max, we're going to start with you. What was your first Mania memory, and what comes to mind when you hear the term WrestleMania? Okay, so the, I, I remember watching um, WrestleMania 4 with um, uh, Macho Man. Um, and the, the whole tournament I'm, I have been a Wrestlemania fan and a WWE fan since basically coming out of the womb my, my uh, grand was a huge wrestling fan uh, that's where I got it from um, we used to watch wrestling together every single weekend uh, and it, yeah, it's just gone on from then um, yeah I, 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 I love Wrestlemania it's it's Aside from Royal Rumble, it's probably my favourite show of, of of all in the in the wrestling calendar. Um, the last few years, it's it's probably lost a little bit of luster just because of how long it gets, and uh, I pitied next week's guests because they have got some hours to put in to watch all of them goddamn WrestleManias. But uh, for me, it's it's the pinnacle. It's the big show. It's where every wrestler worth their salt wants to be. Uh, they want to be on a WrestleMania show. They want a WrestleMania moment. Uh, it's it's the biggest thing in wrestling. Mr. Cash, same question to you, sir. Tyson and Austin. Austin and Tyson. Um, I am very much the child of the Attitude Era. I started watching officially around 96, 97. 
Um, my grandfather, you know, uh, for those of you who were really deep into the history of wrestling, Paul Bosch and Houston wrestling was one of the bigger, more popular um, territories at, at the time of the 80s and 70s and 80s and whatnot. And my grandparents were heavy into it. And my grandfather would show me tapes of Dick Murdoch and the missing link and Flair and DiBiase and all these people. And I thought it was cool, but it wasn't until I saw NWO and I was like, oh, this is what life is. And then that fandom transferred even deeper into my love for uh, Degeneration X. And it only worked perfectly that my grandfather was also a majorly huge boxing fan. So you put Tyson, who he knew was the baddest man in the world, against Austin, who was his favorite wrestler and he thought was legitimately one of the baddest men in the world. And then you throw in the best wrestler in the world at the time, and Sean. And I'd ordered pay-per-views before that. Um, I was very spoiled as a child to the point where we ordered both every WWE and WWE pay-per-view in the same month. Don't know how I pulled that off. But the very first WrestleMania I watched was 14 and transfixed. Every single moment. Absolutely transfixed. And to this day, I still watch it. And there is even the Takamishinoku match with Aguila. I'm like like a kid because it means something to me. It, 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 was, it, it is maybe not the best mania of all time, but it is super stuck in my mind and my heart. And I'll never forget it. Do you know who 14 was? Do you know who Aguila was? Uh, S.A. Rios, wasn't it? Boom. Oh, and WrestleMania, to to answer the qu- question quickly, WrestleMania is, I, I like how we're still in MJF's term, the pinnacle, Ooh. but it is the preeminent entertainment spectacle. I don't know who that is. It is, every, yeah, some kid. Oh, that's right, we beef with him right now, right? My bad, screw him. Um, I couldn't help it. Go ahead, Ray. Uh, oh, oh, we we hit them with that. Uh, first off, no, never mind. Um, no, uh, it is they did they did a every year there is a list of the top ten um, uh, events in the world, and like WrestleMania is up there with the Olympics and the Super Bowl, and that is what WrestleMania is. It is much more than oh uh, well, you know, this is our supercard. Starcade was a supercard. Cool. WrestleMania is an event. WrestleMania takes over your town. WrestleMania brings in millions of dollars to your city. You bid over WrestleMania because you're going to get 30, 40, 50 million dollars in revenue added to your town for four or five days. WrestleMania is what every indie company books for because they'll get their biggest payday. WrestleMania is the biggest thing in not just wrestling, maybe entertainment. As Tony says, sports, entertainment, sports, entertainment. But let's go ahead and get into it here, gentlemen. First off, we're going to pay a couple of bills, and we're going to come back, and we're going to start off here with WrestleMania 25. You're listening to Mania Madness on TheChairShot.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Chair Shot. Network. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Welcome back to Mania Madness, folks thrilled to be back here once again don't forget prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and make sure you're checking out chair shot radio every single morning 8 a.m eastern only on chair shot radio network well said mr tenny well said so wrestlemania 25 let's start there a lot of interesting things going on with this card but i gotta start at the top okay we we just do undertaker sean michaels so first and foremost gentlemen it was special because it, it, as long as both of their careers were, save that three match feud that they had in 97, they didn't really cross streams a whole lot. So it added an extra layer to this match because we didn't see it over and over again, which is a phenomenon I don't think that we could have in this day and age. But the match itself, obviously, it's at least top 10. If it's not in your top five or if it's not your top mania match of all time, it's, it's in everybody's top 10 without question. Ray, was this the greatest Mania match of all time? And if not, why? And where, where do you place it on the pantheon of great Mania matches? It's top five. I prefer. I actually prefer the 26 match, but we'll talk about that in 26. Because um, this, this match is flawless except for that the Sim Snooker bump that Taker almost killed himself, and that was like a 10-minute, a five-minute break or whatever it was. That kills well, the match for me a little bit. Well, real, real quick, because that's a, that was actually a plat fact, but we might as well go ahead and throw it out there now. Yeah, the guy, that the cameraman, the gimmick cameraman that was supposed to catch Taker on his dive out the ring and wasn't able to catch him, and Taker's face 
planted right into the surface. That was Sim Snooker, a.k.a. Jimmy Superfly Snooker's son. Yeah, he fucked that shit up, and he wasn't long for that world. Shortly after this mania, he's out the company, and I don't even know what he's doing right now. Maybe he's selling insurance or renting cars at Avis or something. But go ahead, Ray. He is Snooker. He's making some money off of that name. Uh, but no, the greatest WrestleMania match to me of all time is is um, Michael's angle. You can't argue e- any of them. I mean, we're all splitting hairs here because these are all great matches. But Mags, just you know, focusing on twenty five Michaels versus Taker. What are your thoughts on that match? Yeah, I think I think I I agree with Ray. It's definitely top five, and it's it's interesting just how many top five matches Taker actually had at WrestleMania. It's like he almost went all out for, for WrestleMania. Such a, a brilliant character. And, and this kind of like run from Shawn Michaels was was arguably his best run uh, in his career. Absolutely love this run. Uh, I mean, his first run was, was good, but it was beset with him being a douchebag, being a, a political asshole. But this one was when he had found uh, God and he'd realised that he'd made uh, errors in his life. And the, I think this was the build-up to to ending that uh, kind of career on a high. Pity he came back uh, for um, the, the Saudi show because uh, I think the way he went out was was damn near perfect. But this match was, was stunning for me. Really just told such a good story. And I think that's one thing that these two could do together they could just tell a story you didn't need a lot of build you didn't need a lot of harp you knew that they could go in the ring and tell an amazing story and that's exactly what they did in this match uh so yeah i'd, I'd think it'd be a top five for me um if i would say one i prefer over it and i've got a lot of love for for brock versus um kurt angle I think the way that match went is just such a great match and the fact that they were able to finish it after the what would have been a career-ending botch for 99% of wrestlers uh, and for Angle to be able to carry a, a 300-pound Brock whose lights were were absolutely out to a, a great ending like that. I, I've got a, a lot of time for that match, but this certainly is up there with the very best of them. So, Tunny, if you go back to Media 21, we'll, we'll throw out 22, the match with Mark Henry. It was meh. It wasn't horrible, but it was meh. But this entire stretch that Undertaker is on right here from 21 through 29, it, it, it number one, it's like Taker 4.0. Like, this is like the fourth iteration of Taker. And if you listen to his, uh, his interview that he did with Austin, he was talking about how difficult it was for him initially to get down the Undertaker character. Because you got to remember, if you've ever seen any of his stuff in WCW when he was me, Mark Gallus, he was a hell of an athlete. He was walking the ropes without having to hold on to the guy's hands. Like he was, he was a worker and he liked to work, but he understood that in order to get the character over, he had to, he had to pull back a little bit in terms of his in ring and work rate and ability. But this stretch right here, this stretch right here, he gets to go all out and, and just try to go out there and steal the show and have the best matches on the card each and every single time. And, I mean, for the most part, he pulled it off, really. I mean, goddamn, to be able to reinvent yourself that late in your career, it, it's nothing short of remarkable, this stretch of taker matches. Yeah, I don't know how much there is left to answer your question there, but um, 
I think that I agree with you. The biggest thing that he did not only was start to understand his character, how to work in the ring with his character, but to continually adapt his character as time progressed, right? And I think what you see in this stretch here is a culmination of all those characters he had coming forward, being put together with all that experience, all the experiences in the past. And really, as you get into now this double shot with Mike and then the double shot with Hunter, and you keep moving forward towards Punk and Brock, it really starts to be where Undertaker's body is really breaking down, and it's just barely enough for him to wrestle once a year. But not only that, this run raises him up to that echelon of maybe he is the greatest worker ever. Maybe he, he's definitely the greatest gimmick ever, right? Maybe he's had the most great matches, the streak, obviously. Before that, like before you talk about late 90s, He's a Hall of Famer, but he's not maybe one of the top five guys ever. No, I can't argue that whatsoever. So, gentlemen, I'm not going to lie to you. This mania in particular, it's kind of lackluster for me. It's kind of just there. We've got this all-time great match and then everything else surrounding the car. There's some highs in there, but for the most part, it, it really didn't hit. I really felt bad for Hunter and Randy Orton because that feud was hot as fish grease going into the match. Obviously, they weren't going to be able to follow Taker and Sean, but I, it wasn't a bad match, but I don't feel like it lived up to the the, the feud that preceded it. I mean, Randy's out here. He, you kicked the son-in-law and, or the brother-in-law and the, the father-in-law in the head. You DDT'd my wife, then sexually assaulted her. I show up at your crib with a sledgehammer and wreck shop. You know, it, 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 but then they come out and they tried to jump start it early. Each man hit it, hit their finisher within the first five minutes, but it, it didn't have that blood feud that I feel like this storyline needed. It, Mags, you, you look like you agree with me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, anyone who went on after the, the Takering Show Michaels match, um, would have would have struggled to to live up to that. Uh, I think that that match and and how it went down sucked all the the energy out of the out of the stadium. Uh, and anything less than a perfect match uh, would not have been able to bring that crowd back. And unfortunately, it just did the two uh, just didn't seem to click on this day. Uh, the build-up, the storyline was 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 like I said, it was fire. It was really hot, a really good way of going into a, uh, a WrestleMania main event. It's just that ring, uh, it just wasn't it just wasn't that day, uh, unfortunately. And and like I said, it was a lackluster end to what essentially was a middle of the road uh, WrestleMania. I mean, you had Santinarella uh, winning the the Miss WrestleMania, which was just ridiculous. You had a uh, um, the the Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy match, which just for for two brothers, it just didn't seem to to land on uh, uh, the marks that it that it could have done. You had the twenty second uh, uh, Rey Mysterio winning the RC title, which was and I understand that it was Bradshaw leaving uh, 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 wrestling and and that was him passing the belt on, but it just seemed pointless the way when it went out. Uh, and then you add all that it. it you add all that to the the Taker and Shawn Michaels match, and it just feels like this was a one match show. The Money in the Bank match was actually one of the better Money in the Bank matches of all time, in my mm -hmm. opinion. So that would probably be my other highlight from this WrestleMania. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the only reason I don't really include that is because it was Punk winning again, which um, for me they'd done it the the year before. It was almost like a repeat, which 
<laughs> ironically is what this whole run of, uh, of WrestleMania actually ends up being you see repeat after repeat after repeat so if, may I if I may retort first and foremost the reason Bradshaw wanted to be squashed like that for Jay by Ray was kind of a thank you to Eddie and so it's important that's why so like if you know the backstory of that I think that's much more acceptable knowing it after the fact um, also oh, yeah, I, I mean absolutely I, I, I understand why it happened I understand the, the reasons uh, behind it but for that to happen on Wrestlemania uh, and especially when you when you, you're then the lead into Taker versus Shawn Michaels it just didn't seem to fit if you understand what I mean I do I mean all respect do I dis- I disagree with that? I think that surprises are good. I don't because well, I, I don't think every we expect to have classics every WrestleMania, so it's good every now and then for there to be a Kane and Chavo Guerrero. That's shocking, right? Every now and then it's good to kind of switch up the pace. Nobody expected that to happen, um, but that we're splitting hairs at this point. I really want to talk about the Triple H Randy Orton thing because the problem with that match, everything was perfect, but the problem was that match was they tried to be too clever in their book. And you will we'll see this at 28 with Punk and Jericho, but they worked out of it. Where that they put the face in an un, unbelievable disadvantage because because of of Hunter breaking his house, they made it to where the the, the stip was: if you get disqualified, you use the belt. You lose the belt. Mm-hmm. That should have been a no holds barred match, and they should have killed each other, which would have been perfect for the match. Another another thing about that match that I, I completely disagree with is people, uh, the people thought the the wrong man won. Did you see what Randy did to his family? Hunter should have won that match. It happened exactly how it went, how it should have went. Hunter wins that match. Randy steals the title the next month. So, I am higher on that match than most. I enjoy it. I know it it fell short of the mark. And ultimately, I was a big believer in unless it is something of the biggest proportions, the title ends the night. I, I was a big proponent of that. I understood why they did it with Sean. At tw- we'll talk about that next next WrestleMania. But the champ, the main championship ends the night. Now it doesn't matter what the main championship is, whether that's the, the world heavyweight title, the WWE. Are now in this world, the Raw Women's or the Raw Smack or the SmackDown Women's, but the championship ends the night. I still kind of feel that way. Maybe that's the old school dude in me. I'm okay with the match. So it, it's funny speaking of JBL, you you because this is a, a great point that I've picked up on going back and watching all these manias, and I didn't know when I was ever going to get to say it on air. But two things that I've picked up on going back and doing this. Number one, you could tell which wrestlers that are getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, you can tell which ones are doing all right and which ones are struggling a little bit by the way that their suits or their tuxes fit. Number one, that that just stands out to me. <laughs> like you can tell the ones that, okay, they got a little money, maybe they went out and bought a tux or a suit for this and went and got it, you know, firmly tailored and whatnot, as opposed to the guys that just went to Men's Warehouse and pulled something off the rack and was like, okay, yeah, cool. Uh, number two, you could also tell whose last match it's going to be as they're walking to the ring because you, you see it in their eyes and you can so see them just 
soaking every single moment up. So that though, yeah. So saying that and seeing as how this was JBL's last match, that just stood out to me. Uh, what, go ahead. Can I make one more point? And you, I'm, I, I may be jumping the gun again. If I am, I apologize. But we haven't talked about the John Cena match. Are you going to talk about that because that is something that would have made this WrestleMania way different? If you know what I'm alluding to. Yeah, we're 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 gonna get to that just real quick. I wanted to give a shout out to Chris Jericho, and specifically Ricky Steamboat. So it was the three legends. Not, we're not gonna step on the the Mickey Rourke stuff because we're gonna get into that more when Platts Facts comes up. But obviously Piper Snooker, not a whole lot they could do at this point in time. Hell, it's a miracle they were even able to walk into the ring. But the last what five six minutes of that match where it's just Jericho and Steamboat, that was phenomenal. But it started one of the most anno- annoying things ever. You still got it, Chance. Sorry, you man. Still got Keep, it. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, for for uh, Steamboat to be of of the age he was, uh, to be able to hang with uh, a, a Jericho who was in his prime, uh, doing one of arguably his best gimmicks with the the best in the world gimmick. Um, yeah, it was it was a, a really good match. Uh, I, I thought that this this kind of almost like quasi legend killer Jericho was was absolutely superb and 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 then obviously the the Mickey Rock stuff that was WWE really kind of playing into that uh, that uh, mainstream media stuff it, it it was fun yeah it was a real good match I'm still mad at Mickey I'm still mad at that we we gonna get to that though we gonna get to that at the end though because I feel you I'm still mad at him too I'm I'm still mad at him too but we go we're gonna get to that but. You, you alluded to uh, John Cena and his match here at, at WrestleMania 25. So go ahead and elaborate, Ray. Um, John Cena didn't have a match. The main the World Heavyweight Championship was supposed to be Edge versus Big Show alone. That's the whole reason Big Show was uh, was slobbing down Vicky behind Edge's back and all of this. We were supposed to have John Cena versus the immortal Hulk Hogan. That would have made this WrestleMania. That wouldn't have been a good match physically. But it would have been iconic as hell. And that would have, I think, maybe put this WrestleMania in a different perspective when you think about it. But I don't know if Hogan was hurt or if Hogan pulled a Hogan or maybe he saw some black dudes outside and got scared to walk in. I'm not sure. I think Vince realized but, that you were going to jumpstart the fact that John Cena was going to get booed the fuck out the building already at 25. And we needed a little more time with John Cena not getting booed the shit out of the building already because... You could even tell, I think, 24, 23. I mean, against Triple H, he they wanted Triple H That's to win. Story. I mean, yeah. so they kind of changed the storyline with Shawn Mike. He does a good job of making sure that the heat goes where it's supposed to, but I think that may be been a reason right there. Good point. And we wouldn't have got the, uh, the WrestleMania moment of him lifting both Big Shawn and Edge at the same time. Watching these. That was impressive, by the way. But anybody picked up, it seems like they kind of sweetened the crowd noise for Cena's entrances because I feel like it was a lot more 50-50 than... I remember it being a lot more 50-50 than some of these mania entrances would lead you to believe. You're going to you're gonna get... We're not, there, we're not there yet. It seems pretty appropriate to me. Like, even I remember, like, just watching 30, right? Like, before we just started this. And I think next... 31 then we're gonna start getting because we haven't heard the we haven't heard the john cena sucks we just finally start to hear the uh well we'll get to that let's go cena we'll get to that 
All right, well, then let's go ahead and move on then, man. I think there's not a whole lot of meat left on this 25 bone. Um, what, WrestleMania the, the, 26. What, go ahead. One more thing real go quick. It was, I, I think this was kind of the first disappointment with the pre-show because a lot of people were looking forward to seeing the Colognes and uh, Miz and Morrison. Oh, who cares? Uh, well, look, okay. We, if we, okay, I'll shut up. 26. Let's go, Phoenix. What are you talking about the fucking pre-show? <laughs> we just got done talking about John Cena. You're right, but my my point, Mr. Parcheesi Christian. Yeah, that's another one. I like it. Uh, thank you. This was this was the unification of the tag title. That's not just the that's that's, mean, a, that's that that shows exactly what WWE think of tag team wrestling. Then, where the unification of the tag titles is a is a pre-show match. Yep. I'm just saying it's disappointing. I'm not, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it should have made a bit of the show, but it's worth it's it's worth noting because we had some disappointments. Um, this was right before they started making the pre-show something people actually gave a shit about. No, I'm not disagreeing with you, but it, Mag said it perfectly. That's how Vincent M view the tag titles. Moving on to 26. I feel like they got it right this time around. They knew that nothing was going to be able to follow Sean and Taker, so they just said, you know what? We're just going to let this main event the show. We're going to go out on that note. So this emanates from, what's it called, Ray? The uh, stadium out there in Glendale, Arizona. University of Phoenix Stadium. Yeah, I was about to say, what is it this week? Next week it'll be University of Dan Marley Stadium or whatever. Whoever pays for the rights, whatever, whatever. I thought it had a really cool look. The, The venue itself looked really cool. The card, well, let's just start at the top and we'll work our way back down. WrestleMania 26. So going back and watching this, my expectations were out the roof at the time that this happened. I'm a huge Shawn Mike Mark. I loved WrestleMania 25 and their match. I honestly thought that this match had the possibility to be the greatest match in the history of wrestling. That's how Markish I was at this particular point in time. Obviously, it didn't live, live up to those lofty expectations. I don't think it was quite as good as 25. But going back and re-watching it, I see the story that they told. It was a lot of nuance, a lot of subtlety in this particular match, and a lot of callbacks to some of their other matches as well. It was brilliant for the story they told. Obviously, we thought that this was going to be the cap to a story. Little did we know we were just moving on to another chapter in the same book. You know what I mean? But, Ray, you said that you preferred this match to the 25 one. So... Go ahead and elaborate on that. I had something else I wanted to say, but it'll come back to me. Go ahead and elaborate. Two reasons. Um, first and foremost, I think, and this is just me, um, I always prefer, sometimes there's beauty and chaos, but it's something to be said for perfection. And there was not a botch. There was not a missed spot. There was not a missed move. There was not a missed look. This match was wrestled impeccably. From the very beginning to the la- to the very end, and Tony is is this the long lost Belaz brother? Is this Ray Belaz in this Mellon Farmer? Yeah. Go, go ahead, man. Like I, the... I had to get that off. Yeah, he... never mind. Maybe me and Andrew do tend to agree a lot, so maybe maybe they're all um, maybe they're all just part of the Dudley family. It's the only other time right? I've, it's the only other time I've seen those combinations. So so am I dances with Belaz? Thank <laughs> <laughs> God, blast. Um, but no, it was wrestled impeccably. We 
clearly these two guys have great chemistry, so they were always always gonna have great chemistry. But that Bajji twenty five hurts that match to me, um, and this was perfect. Also, both of these guys are big money players that thrive on pressure, and they knew with the pressure that they had to live up to that match, they really brought their working shoes out. Secondly, and maybe this is just my ignorance, and I'll openly admit it's, it's very possible. I had I did not believe Shawn Michaels had a chance to win 25. I just really believe Shawn ain't gonna retire at 26. That's what I was gonna say. I'm thank you that you jogged my memory. That's exactly what I was gonna say, Mags. Is that leading into this, there hadn't been that much intrigue in whether or not the streak was going to survive. Really, since WrestleMania 23, when Undertaker <laughs> fought the title versus Batista, because he was basically a part timer by that point in time for all intents and purposes. But at this particular one, yeah, there was genuine intrigue going into it about which way this was going to go. Yeah, and and you said it perfectly earlier. Uh, this Undertaker in this run. Um, he he put on some of his best work ever, and it's because that's when the streak became important. When it came, that became his story going in year after year after year, and the fact that we're getting uh, one of the best wrestlers uh, in Shawn Michaels ponying up his career to go up against the streak. I think this is when, for me, the streak became the big thing in in Undertaker's career. That is kind of like legacy. I, I went into the match uh, not expecting Shawn Michaels to to retire because it could still go. He was still able to hang. You could you could easily put the world title on him and it would look legitimate. It looked like he des- he would deserve to be there. So for him to to retire after this match was a massive massive shock. Um, but for me, th- this match stands out. Uh, and Ray kind of touched on it, but he, he went around the periphery. For me, this was all about the emotion. Um, these two wrestlers knew they had a legacy to live up to, not only with the match at 25, but with their kind of intertwined, but uh, very much avoiding each other style of careers. The emotion that one of them uh, was going to lose their big, um, either their, their, their legacy or their career, and the way that they played into that uh, and everything felt important. The the attack on Undertaker's legs felt important. Uh, Shawn Michaels kicking out, out out of the choke slam and the last ride, it felt important. And then when we get to the finish and the emotion of him climbing up Undertaker's leg, Undertaker telling him to stay down, slapping the Undertaker, the the final tombstone. It just it's one of those matches where you are took on a journey, and at the end you just feel spent you feel like you're emotionally drained and i think ray hit the nail on the head this had to end wrestlemania because as 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 bad as it was last the last wrestlemania nobody had anything left after watching this uh and no one could have followed up um and it was just a, a great ending to to essentially show michael's career wink until we get to saudi arabia no 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 no, no no that no, that jam in the sand debacle of a tag match, it never happened. It's Saudi Arabia, no, no, Saudi Arabia is not sanctioned by the WBC. Therefore, that match never happened. Therefore, it doesn't count. What do they call it, Platt? The Mandela effect? You just yes, remember something yes. different, bro. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I never saw a bald-headed Shawn Michaels. What are you talking about? At all. At all. <laughs> But, Tony, I, I got to be honest, man. Going back and watching this show, 
the first few matches, I'm kind of like, eh. The Money in the Bank wasn't horrible, but you got to remember, man, after going back and watching 25 previous iterations of WrestleMania, by the time I got to this one, I was tired of ladders. I was tired of matches. I was tired of ladder matches. So then finally, hey, CM Punk and Rey Mysterio. Finally, we're going to get a good match. This should be good. It was good. It was brief. I think they only gave him about, what, seven, eight minutes. They, you know, they didn't really have enough time to really let it breathe and, and tell the story, but it was fun for what it was. Um, Brett versus Vince. I feel like we have to talk about that, fellas. Am I wrong about that? No, you're not wrong. And, you know, for those people, for those people who say that Vince isn't a businessman, like, this entire match was a my bad, Brett. Literally. I have never seen the ass whooping that a man has got. Like, you remember when Worldstar was hot and we used to watch Worldstar every day to see, like, the next big jump in? Somebody got jumped? This was Worldstar level. Like, I mean, they brought Bruce out. I ain't seen Bruce since the 80s. Like, every heart came out, dog. Didn't they? Hey, God rest the dead. I'm not trying to be funny or make fun of anybody. But wasn't Stu alive and they wheeled him down and he slapped him? Like, everybody got some of this, dog. Everybody. And you know what? Hey, and shout out to Vince for being mad enough to say, this is what we're going to do for you, man. And the the, the the way he took a whooping from Tass and Kid and uh, Davey Boy as well. That, those Davey Boy guys, laid it in, dog. They laid it in. They absolutely laid it in. And, and like I said, props to Vince for, first of all, Saying this, this was his apology to to Brett, but this guy's is essentially a billionaire. He does not need to do this kind of shit, and yet he's there taking an ass whooping on WrestleMania. The guy, as whatever you think of him, the guy is is just the the kingpin of the wrestling business. Let's not forget, this is the same guy that would go to strip clubs with all of his top workers and take everybody's finish up on the stage. This is also the guy that would have two glasses of red wine on a plane and try and sneak up on Kurt Angle multiple times. Like, this is a crazy motherfucker that showed you, if I'm going to do it, you're going to do it. And it's a great way to lead. Now, first thing I want to say, Platt, hold on. Let me just Let me just get two minutes here and you guys can break the rest of it down. I'm surprised Ray doesn't want you, to talk... You just wasted 45 seconds, but go on. That's okay. I'm surprised Ray doesn't want to talk about Yoshitatsu winning the 26-man Battle Royal for their opening show. Uh, the other thing about the big show and the, the Miz... Record, no, no, I'm talking... Record, no, 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 no one wants to hear that match, shit. I shouldn't have ever even said it. the match devolved into a Royal Battle Royal. Whatever. No, no one, see, no one cares. No one cares. This is also the first time anybody's ever held three belts. Three, sorry, three, mm-hmm. not two. Three uh, Miz has the U.S. title and both tag team titles. All right, and, and, and that the, and the unified tag team match got a bump up from the pre-show to the curtain jerker. There you see, Ray. Things are looking up from the previous Mania. And the last thing I want to say, match. last thing I want to say is maybe the most disappointing Money in the Bank victory or victor of all time oh. in Jack Swagger. I, I want to get to Jack, man. I, yeah, I, we're going to talk a little bit about Jack. I want to just double back real quick with the uh, the Brett and Vince thing, though. And thank you, Tony, for your contributions. You know, the match itself, it was kind of like, what the hell? Obviously, Brett had some limitations because of his health issues. But I wanted to just throw this out here real quick. A bonus plat fact. This match at WrestleMania 26 actually marked the conclusion of the Mr. McMahon character. And going into this mania, Vince was telling people backstage, this is this is a wrap. 
which it makes perfect sense and it's perfect symmetry, seeing as how the Mr. McMahon character started with the Montreal screw job. So it's only right that the dude that initially got screwed that led to the hottest period in wrestling, he got his come or not his come up as, but he got his just desserts and was able to put the screws into the Vince McMahon character. And if you notice after this point, Vince's appearances on TV, they're pretty sporadic. I mean, he's here, here and there, but not really. He did test technically wrestle one more match. I think it was in 2012. It was a uh, throwaway street fight versus CM yeah, Punk. But other than that, this was it for McMahon. This was the swan song for for Mr. McMahon. So I just felt like that 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 that's a pretty important piece of WWE lore that needed to be <laughs> And that's been a bonus Platts fact brought to you by TheChairShot.com. Always use your head now getting back to jack swagger they tried they did i think they thought they had their next kurt angle because dude is a legitimate badass and of course he wins the money in the bank here and goes on to cash it in and win the world heavyweight title but he didn't have a tenth of kurt's charisma plus he has a lisp and the only two wrestlers that ever got over or drew some money with a lisp was dusty and rick flair and you didn't even know rick flair had a lisp until he started doing podcasts but <laughs> Oh, but is that, but is Jack that's, that's disrespectful to Harden, right? That guy was that guy was absolute money. Hey, come on, <laughs> get you, Chris. Hey, up for you. You're probably a Gene Schnitzky fan too, and let me tell you something. That was your fault. <laughs> Don't when, make when me Hyde, read some poetry to you. When when Hyde Reich is fighting Doink and the winner gets a free meal at Golden Corral because they're fighting outside the Golden Corral, oh, how the mighty have fallen. But, gentlemen, is Jack Swagger not the greatest wrestling name in the history of wrestling? Because I think it is, especially if you look back at this time period and everything was swag this, swag that. It's absolutely perfect and completely on brand for the WWE that they gave this cool-ass name to a guy that had absolutely, positively, unequivocally, no swagger. He should have Swag, been Jack Swagger's dope, but he's but his nickname killed it. The All American American. He should have been Big Dick Swagger. The, the issue yeah, is that, that would have lied in 2010. Yeah. The issue is though, you're giving to a character a name that they can't even say. They <laughs> couldn't get the word yeah. swagger out. Could you imagine, though, if Big Dick Swagger uh, main-evented Great Balls of Fire? That would be amazing. I'm sure there is a correlation. I'm sure their Big Dick Swagger has main-evented Great Balls of Fire, and it, it, it didn't go over as well as you're trying to make it seem, Tony. But go ahead, Max. Yeah, just when someone is saying Swagger, and that's meant to be their name, yeah, you struggle oh, to get over. American Jack Swagger. Wow. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, it, it was a charisma vacuum. I mean, it still technically is a charisma vacuum. He just found more um, uh, of that brooding silence that, that works for him more in, in AEW. Um, but yeah, I, I was never on board with, with Jack Swagger. Um, it, it just didn't fit me. And, and this match, it was, like you said, you, you watch so many ladder matches and you saw many Money in the Mac matches and, and eventually the, the they kind of need something to stand out, and this one, aside from maybe the the uh, the airborne uh, from the ladder, um, nothing really stood out about this match. It was just it was just there, 
People forget though that that airborne from the ladder was the ladder was barely halfway up the ladder and it was lower than doing it off the turnbuckle. <laughs> yeah. And if I if I may, um, I think the mark of a good WrestleMania, of course, all WrestleMania just much like you know word to the Sparkler match that happened a few about a month or so ago. You you got to have a good ending of some sort, right? So main event matters. But the mark of a really good WrestleMania to me is the May card. This this card had three really good, really remember, really memorable May card matches. The the Triple Threat Legacy match when Orton st- became the babyface for doing all- when he learned how to be a babyface by doing heel shit, which was when he, you know, moved up. Triple H and Sheamus was a very fun match. Um, that's one of the one. That's one of the few you can say Triple H could have lost. Because he put over a lot of dudes in his WrestleMania career. Um, and then you mentioned it, Ray versus uh, versus um, Punk. CM Punk. I'll never understand for the life of me, and maybe this goes to Punk's right grievances. Why all of Punk's mid-card matches get put like eight minutes? Like, <laughs> get a man 15 minutes, dog. I don't understand. But all three of those matches are very memorable, which added with... Uh, HBK uh, Taker 2 and the main events that I'm, the, I'm sure you're about to get to now make this a very memorable WrestleMania. So real quick, I, I do want to throw a shout out to Y2J, Chris Jericho and Edge. It was, you know, the match I, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be at the time. It's better on rewatch, but this era of Jericho, I feel like this was where he hit his apex. This was prime Jericho. As many iterations of Jericho that we've had throughout the years, this feud with Shawn Michaels and that whole thing where he punched Shawn's wife in the face and just this era of Jericho I think this is the best that Jericho has ever been and quite frankly I've heard him say that as well out of his mouth it wasn't until that this point in time where he really figured it out and learned how to become a main eventer and Vince even started to look at him as that main event level even though he had main evented a Wrestlemania like eight years before that but that's neither here nor there so I wanted to give that props and gentlemen Batista versus John Cena holy shit number one these were the two top guys post attitude here it is what it is and they went out there I love this feud this was when Batista was on his way out the company and that's when he finally learned how to talk because frankly he didn't give a shit anymore and he was just spitting you know what I mean he was just saying what was really on his mind and his heel character was chef's kiss and this was a really great match and the crowd was into it and it had that feel it had that I know Cole says it and it's overdone now but it really did have a big fight feel this felt like Austin versus Rock or Brett versus Sean or you know what I mean or Hogan Andre it had that feel to it it was that electric it was palatable and and the the good thing is it didn't overstate its welcome it was just long enough where uh, it kept you interested and they, they weren't uh, it weren't packed out with rest holds um knowing that it was going to go up uh, and and that we'd have the the main event afterwards i think it was a really good palate cleanser ready to to get you emotionally invested in in that main event um and props for for Batista obviously like you said he was on his way out uh, just like kind of rubber stamping that Cena was the guy that was carrying the company at the time that fact you're not Platt but go on 
We black shells. Some people think I am. Black fact. You're right. You're right. Black fact, yes. There you go, Teddy. Um, this is the first time since Austin Rock that the two top stars of the generation wrestled each other at WrestleMania for the championship. Can you call Batista a top star of his generation? And yes. Really? Man. Because he's, 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 at, he's, at, he's at best third in the class he came out of. No. You say no uh, because Cena and Lesnar. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, Lesnar wasn't there yet. That doesn't matter though. I'm just saying it's the same generation. Lesnar was already matter. there and gone. Yeah, that, that, that sounds more like a Ray opinion than a. Oh, no, fact. hold on, hold on. No, hold, it's facts because that was the build for the, the match too. But hold on, uh, let's be serious for a second. Uh, Lesnar wrestled two years, two years and left. We're in 2010. Lesnar's not back yet, so you cannot at this point say that Lesnar's over. This Easter. feels like a Kevin Durant, Durant time, James time. Harden kind of conversation. Oh my god! Come on, I'm trying to be serious, dog. Hold on, like I get you, I get you. To, to, to be to be fair, man, I'm gonna back Ray up on this because at this particular point in time, the two top stars in the company were John Cena and Batista. Like that's not even it's not a plat fact, quote unquote, but it's also not up for debate. You think Batista's bigger than Jericho? At the time, twice Box the size. Office. Box yes. office wise, yes. At the time, he's twice the size of a draw that, that Jericho was. Absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. Hey, yeah. agree to disagree. All I can tell you is that I wish at some point we would get Batista to come back and be Drax. Ha, 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 ha. You call that a powerbomb? Ha, ha, ha. By the way, there's also a difference between best wrestlers and biggest stars. There, there. That's a distinction with the difference. And I, you, I do this a lot in wrestling. We talk about okay, who's the top guys? The top guys are the guys that drew the most money. Who are the best in ring guys? There's not often a lot of correlation with that. You know, it's kind of like yeah. hip hop. Okay, who are the biggest rappers? But who are the best rappers? There's a there's yeah. a distinction with the difference. And no yeah. disrespect to Jericho, Taker, Sean, Trips, none of them. But it was clearly Batista and 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 Cena at this particular point in time. And Batista was on his way out, and he did good business. He did the honor. So shout out to Batista on that. Um, so I, I want to move along here because business is uh, exponentially about to pick up. So <laughs> WrestleMania 27. Doubling back a little bit, there were some comments that Cena publicly made in regards to The Rock you you know what it is. You're listening to this show, so you know exactly what I'm referring to. But basically, in essence, Cena said that The Rock turned his back on WWE and ran off to Hollywood. Now, obviously, The Rock felt a certain way about that, and as well he should. I mean, this business is in his family's bloodline. But, Ray, I got to be honest, man. I got to give props to one Vincent Kennedy McMahon on this one because this sounds like a complete... Svengali move by Vince McMahon to go The Rock back into wrestling again because number one if you're the top guy in the WWE just by default by the very default and definition of that title you're gonna have a relationship with Vince you're gonna have a good relationship with Vince you're gonna spend a lot of time with him it just is what it is and I can certainly see him especially seeing how Cena was the ultimate company man put that battery in his back saying yeah 
Austin rocked out on me. Rock walked out on me as soon as Hollywood came calling, blase this, blase that, and and planting those seeds for what is to come for really the next three years, right? All right. So it be. This is where I get controversial. The Rock needed WWE. The Rock came back because at this point, The Rock was a working actor. He had he was a, a a leading man in lesser movies, but he hadn't had that movie yet, right? Fast Five comes out later on in 2011, which is which is the the movie that really committed him to being the top actor in Hollywood. Before that, he hadn't had that movie yet. And I remember the... Inter- Go ahead. Go ahead. I remember the interviews with The Rock talking about why he came to WWE, why he came back. And he said when he started acting and he officially left WWE to be a full-time actor, his um, representation at the time told him they're not going to take you seriously if you're if you're still the wrestler. That's why he stopped calling himself The Rock and started going by strictly Dwayne Jones. And you know, and that's when you started seeing him go to these movies that you wouldn't expect him to do normally, like the Tooth Fairy and the Game Plan. Even though Game Plan is dope in those movies, right? Things like that. Um, his career was languishing, and I think he realized the reason my career isn't going the way I want to go. Because I'm never going to be a classically trained traditional actor. I'm not going to be Daniel Day-Lewis. I'm not going to be Leo DiCaprio. I know who I am. I alienated my fans. I alienated the people that are behind me. So I got to go home and fix that shit. And, And at the time, it just happened to work perfect with Vince needing a draw and with Cena getting to the point where Cena needed that rub from that guy that he didn't get from the era before. And so I feel like it's the perfect mix. But this ain't no Vince Fingouli stuff. I, I would not be shocked if Rock called Vince and said, what's up on me coming back? Mags, go ahead and get in here, man. And then, Tony, I want to get your thoughts on that as well. You know, it really makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I do I do think uh, Vince, um, Vince made the call. I think it was Vince who, who called the Rock in, but... I do get points of what what Ray said that uh, the the Rock made more of a career on the back of this performance and then the the next two. This for this for me was the start of a three year kind of a vanity project for for the Rock um, to be uh, to become a big huge star and and look what he's gone on to to be since he's gone on to to being the highest paid actor in the in the, the, the industry, potentially uh, a political run in the near future, owning the XFL. Uh, he's gone on to make way more uh, than he would have had he not done this return. Uh, I think Ray's right, he would have been a very kind of middling uh, uh, headline actor if it wasn't for this this three um, WrestleMania run that put him back in into the, the mainstream picture. Tony, you clearly disagree. I disagree, and we can't go back in time and see whether or not you would be right. So I appreciate where you're coming from, and I'll just leave it at that. So regardless of what happened here, what we what did happen, which got me super excited... P.B. Herman joined Team Rock? 
Pee Wee Herman joined Team Rack. He did. No, what actually happened? <laughs> pissed off fucking Gene Okerlund too. He's like, oh, give me a break. Yeah, thank God there were no movie theaters around. But what did happen is that for the first time in the history of WrestleMania, we had a host. And if we're going to have a host for the first time in the history of WrestleMania, who better than the jabroni beaten, pie eating? Y'all get it. I'm not going through the whole thing. But The Rock at WrestleMania 27. Even Mae Young in the back asked The Rock for some of the people's strudel. Oh. You, you know what's oh. funny? You know what's funny? I actually predicted that it was that it was going to be Justin Bieber who was going to be the guy hosting. Back in just hindsight. So we can That's laugh hilarious. at that. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's funny. I'm, thank God it wasn't, by the way. I don't think um I don't I don't think uh Cena versus Bieber would have did the numbers at twenty eight that uh that this one did. But no. focus it on <laughs> <laughs> I mean they, they tried it with Cena versus Federline and that, that went down like a farting church, so Kevin yeah, Federline is nowhere near the star Justice Bieber was or is. Or Even ever when will Bieber be. was exactly be, uh, but Federline was a hell of a hill. Y'all got to give him that. So, but WrestleMania 27, we'll start at the top and work our way back because there's a lot of interesting things going on here, not just the rock hosting. But this little weird kid from Perma, Ohio, by the name of Mike Mazanin, we saw him on the real world. He was talking shit. He had his little belt. He called himself the Miz. All of a sudden, Tough Enough comes along and he actually gets to live out his dream. He becomes a WWE superstar. Fast forward to, what was this, 2011? He's the champ. He cashes in his money in the bank. He wins this check. He wins the title. I got to say, though, gentlemen, this video package that they did for The Miz leading into that match, the only piece of business that I've seen the WWE do better was the My Way of the Highway video package with Stone Cold and The Rock before Mania 17. This video package was amazing. And at the end of this package, I you know, I was watching it with a group of guys and one of the guys said, Yeah, he should Miz should be the top guy in the company. And at the end of that video package, I'm like, Yeah, sign me up. This guy strapped the rocket on him. He should be the biggest star in the company. I agree with you. That's how great this package was. Now the match, while not as bad as everybody says that it was, it wasn't great, right? I can't, you know, this wasn't Savage Steamboat, right, Max? No, it certainly wasn't. Uh, and going back to that package for a minute, um, I agree with you. That that was the kind of package where it it gave kids hopes and dreams. You you saw someone, like you said, who had no business being in wrestling, work hard, live his dream, and get to the very top of the business. And it shows that if you um, are dedicated enough perhaps you could do that uh, and yeah I love it for that and for me that makes Miz one of the very best WWE wrestlers ever because he has been in this from day one as a WWE wrestler um, he's, he's, he's just the character work that he's put in the ways he's always strived to improve and become a, a top star he's forced his way into the, the top spot so uh, I've got to give props to him you might not like him um, as a person or as a as a character, but you've got to respect his hustle. He grounded his way to the top of the card. Um, the match, it was all right. It was not a bad match, but it certainly wasn't uh, what you would call um, 
uh, an outstanding match. It's for me, it's all about the finish. It's all about the build uh, because it's quite clear now in in hindsight that this was a three year plan. Uh, this was certainly uh, a Vince McMahon and uh, The Rock uh, vanity project that uh, we was that we was building to uh, The Rock and Austin and uh, The Rock and uh, Cena and 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 that's how it had to go down. Uh, Miz could have anybody could have played the part of the Miz in this match uh, and it wouldn't have mattered because it was always to build for the next year and then the year after. And, and Ray, I, I agree with Mags on that point. I think that's one of the problems was that Miz was the afterthought. Even though he was the champion heading into this thing, everybody knew it was all about Rock and Cena and the promos that Rock and Cena had cut, you know, versus each other. You would have thought that they were wrestling at this particular match or that this uh, mania. So I think that, yeah, I, I think that did kind of hurt the match a little bit because Miz did seem like so much of an afterthought heading into this thing. Well, so speaking to the match first, we we all forget, but Miz got massively concussed in the middle of that match. Mm-hmm. So, like, that clearly affected the the quality of it because, like, he's talking about ad nauseum. He doesn't remember the greatest night of his life because he was gone. He was, he was so severely concussed, he doesn't remember the day. Like, the shit before the concussion, he doesn't remember. So, like, I, I, we... That, that plays a major part in, in the quality of the match. Secondly, speaking to the build for the match, um, that hurt it because it was clearly Rock versus Cena, and oh yeah, by the way, Miz is champ. But I think that's why I'm, I was happy it was Miz and not a guy like Punk or a guy like Orton, because Miz is the guy that is big enough to make himself important when he needs to, but is okay enough to fall back in the wayside when he needs to. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I think of so much of that feud, you think of all that, but the one thing I remember about Miz is when he came out dressed as The Rock and then pulled the shit off of his face and then beat the shit out of both of them. Like, that was hilarious, but that was a major moment in that feud, letting people know that Miz is here to stay. And then you come to this match and you see Hate Me Now with Nas going through Miz's life, Miz is the dream. Like, so many people want to be a Stone Cold or want to be a Rock or want to be a Daniel Bryan or want to be a Shawn Michaels. or No. Wrestlers should grow up wanting to be a Miz because he... You talk about someone that loved it and, like, dedicated their life to it their entire lives. Miz dedicated his entire life to this. And he wasn't blessed with the ability to, um, you know, have somebody pay for his schooling like some other people or he wasn't blessed with the physique like John Cena or wasn't blessed with the ability to hook up with Shawn Michaels when he was 18 like Daniel Bryan. No. He did what he knew he had to do. He got on the reality show and figured it out and ended up making himself into somebody that can say that The Rock's return and first match back was against him. And that is you'll never ever like Miz is the first battle hall of famer easy if he retires right now without question now something parallel that was happening on this mania which I I think undoubtedly we can all agree was the best match on the entire card Undertaker just spent the previous two years feuding with Triple H's best friend ends up retiring him 
And was this not the coolest way to set up a Mania match? Trips just comes out, looks at Taker, looks at the sign, looks back at Taker, things like, okay, cool. And now we're off and running. It was just the coolest thing. Nobody said anything, but it just, yeah, it, it was perfect. And just, again, this is actually a continuation. This is another chapter to the same story that they started telling back at WrestleMania 25. This match was absolutely phenomenal. Tony, do you disagree? No, it was a great match. I mean, the whole series, right? We're talking about two different things that are happening over the course of this is you have the end of an era, which we're building towards, and then you have, you know, the the birth of The Miz as a main event star, along with John Cena and the story of the, him and The Rock. So it's, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. It's really the two stories that carry a big part of this group of WrestleManias. And that weird Michael Cole heel turn where him and Jerry Lawler had a match. I don't know what you're you're doing. I, I kind of feel like the King deserved more, considering you know what he had meant for the business. I mean, let's 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 you know pedophilia and racism aside, Jerry Lawler is a legend out here in these streets. And I felt like it sucks that the one Mania match that he had over his entire career, not only is he wrestling Michael Cole, but then he loses the match. To Michael Cole, I, I just felt like a, a guy of that stature probably deserved better. That's a big aside, bro. Better <laughs> figure racism aside. Hey, he's a legend. Oh, okay. All right. Um, can I can I can I speak to Triple H and take it real quick? Next time you ask, I'm gonna um, say no and move on. I don't give a fuck what you say, Tony. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That that came out. It just came out. I, I couldn't control that. My bad. Um, I got another plat fact. Sorry. No, you don't, but go on. We're going to have oh, to do. find your own name, but go ahead. <laughs> no, I like selling your shit. I like selling your shit. Um, if you watch, if you remember that match, Triple H came out to a Metallica song for whom the bell tolls. Yep. The reason he came out to that song was that was supposed to be Sting. Yes. That was God the, damn that, it, Ray. I told you I had. That's I literally you. a plat fact. <laughs> Why do you think I said it? Why do you think I said it? With the whole, the wings of promos were all stingy. It was clear it was meant to be stingy. Let's go further. The reason Triple H used for whom whom the bell tolls is because Metallica is known in the business as they killed Napster. Like, they they bought their money. Vince paid them for a song, and it was supposed to be Seek and Destroy, which was what Sting used at WCW. But when Sting last minute said, nah, I'm out, they said, screw it, let's do let's do, let's do trips and let's use For Whom the Bell Tolls. So I, I warned you. You cannot say I warned you. I said, can I say a plat fact? You did. I'm, but yes, I'm, that, that, that I'm is less a plat fact. And, and, less... and not only was, my bad, uh, Max, just let me just wrap it up real okay. quick so I have to say it later we're actually saving time on the back end so you probably did Tony a favor but yeah so not only was it supposed to be Sting and Taker at 27 Sting was also going to go into the WWE Hall of Fame at that time as well because it was in Atlanta a hotbed of WCW really the, the hometown of WCW so they were trying to work it out ultimately Sting backed out because he didn't trust WWE with his character and how they were going to present him and Fast forward a few years down the road, turns out he was right, Max. But go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to go on. I mean, Ray mentioned about uh, Triple H getting uh, Metallica. Got to, got to give a shout out to Johnny Cash because that ain't no grave. 
fitted Taker so perfectly. I mean, that that whole the last promo that revealed that it was Taker, and then you got that song, and then the slamming of the door, and it's Taker stood there. Oh, that's the kind of entrance that that gives you chills from a character that has give you chilling entrance after chilling entrance after chilling entrance. This one stands out for me because. I mean, that song is still on my Spotify playlist now because of this. Last Outlaw. Well said, well said. couple other just odds and ends about this mania. Cena rocking Jordans in ATL and coming out to the choir, the soulful choir, if you will, at Mania 27. I, I don't know. That was cool to me. Cena's Out- got some really underrated WrestleMania entrances. Agreed. Also, Alex Riley, he was still in hand with The Miz at this particular point in time. Guy that could have been something. For whatever reason, he got in Cena's crawl, and it was a wrap for him. I think he's uh, selling cars or renting cars down at Avis right about now, or maybe he got into real estate or selling insurance or something like that. It's, it's interesting when people say such and such could have been something. Well, why the fuck didn't he do it anywhere else? Alex Riley was garbage. Alex yeah, Riley but was he was over... Garbage. He was over with that crowd, though. I'm not saying I'm just because he had a dope ass song. He never did nothing as a wrestler that people cared about, other than when he punched Miz that one time. Think. And Miz did that three times with Brian, with Mizdow, and with with uh, Riley. So that's all more about Miz than it is about the person. Thank God we got to Alex Riley because I don't have anything to say about him. I'm kidding. <laughs> So, okay, so the ending of WrestleMania 27, obviously it was going to be a count out. This is where Miz got concussed, which that's a sick bump if you go back and watch that. You can clearly see the back of his head smacking that concrete. So, of course, he got concussed. Rock comes out, restarts the match. He's the host. No holds barred. Rock bottom Cena, and we're off to the races. Very next night on Raw, Rock, Cena, get in the ring. Can you imagine being the crowd? thinking you about to see Rock and Cena and then they tell you you got to wait 365 days like come on man y'all got to read the room a little better than that this is the after mania crowd but it sets us up for Wrestlemania 28 the build is a year once Once in a lifetime lifetime. unless we can make some money and we'll bring it back Rock Cena 2 Electric Boogaloo but (laughs) once in a lifetime year long build gentlemen I think that we can say that the build itself to this match was meh. It had some highs, had some not so highs. They didn't know how to maintain this storyline and build it for a year so that it hit that crescendo at the right time. But at the same point in time, it's still Rock. It's still Cena. At this point, we didn't think that we would ever see The Rock in the ring again, and he's facing the new top guy. It was a moment. Was it not? I think we gotta back up and hit one more thing from the previous Mania. Multiple. Ray, this is not going to be a five-hour show, so we're not going to get to be able to get into every single dark match. But we do need to talk about is Edge's last match before he retires against Alberto Del Rio. Yes, and I'm not going to spend 20 minutes on it. I just want to mention it. Uh, you know, Randy Orton versus CM Punk, I think, is the modern-day top mid-card match at a WrestleMania. Snooki was at this card. I don't care what y'all say. WrestleMania's about the entertainers. At the time, Snook is one of the biggest stars in the world. Cody Rose, Rey Mysterio was another banger in the mid-card. 
y'all tripping, man. Y'all invite me on and disrespect me like this. I'm I'm might I'm liable to take my ball and go home. Sheamus and Daniel Bryan was a dark match, uh, which kind of like um, shows exactly how they're gonna go for for uh, WrestleMania 30. The first of them being booked together or being rumored to be put together at WrestleMania like five times. Yes. <laughs> we we cover six manias on these shows. We're about to get to Rock and Cena and Rock and Cena. We got the streak ending, the rise of the Yes movement, and you want to stop everything and bring everything That's to a screeching favorite. halt to talk Snooki. about <laughs> Snooky. Go crazy, get wild, get something to be wild. Hell yeah, they're right. <laughs> hey man, if it all if it don't all matter, nothing matters, sir. Okay. Why don't you gin, tan, and laundry on your own time? Moving right along to WrestleMania 28. Well, gym and laundry on your own time. And just maybe, like, take a lamp and put it in front of your skin. We'll say we're tanning now. Whatever. I don't care. WrestleMania 28. <laughs> now, the Daniel Bryan thing, that was a... See? You see? You'll be Hulk Hogan in no time. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> but... Mags, just real quick, man, talking about this year-long build in regards to Hogan, excuse me, Jesus, now you got me doing it, to Cena and Rock. I think it, it was mixed results. It was something different. They tried it. I don't think it worked out to... Well, y- y'all know, man. They, they, Y'all know, man. They they don't know how to tell the story that long out, but this still felt big, did it not? This was still a moment. Yeah, th- this was uh, WrestleMania 18 all over again. It was uh, Archon versus Archon. The issue is, like you said, it's the build. This is a company, and you could, I think this perfectly pins down the fundamental change in the business plan of WWE. If this was done in the mid-80s, early 90s, I think they would have easily been able to build a year, um, a year-long storyline. But but with in a timeline where they're doing 14 to 16 pay-per-views a year, it was hard to keep that storyline fresh and it did suffer because of that. What carried it to being as important as it was was the was the two guys involved in the match. If this was anyone else but John Cena who had carried the company for nay on a decade and the the biggest mainstream star that's come out of wrestling, it it would have fell flat. Uh, and I think it's a testament to their star power why this works so well. And, and Tony, it kind of goes to what you were talking about earlier when I was saying, did they sweeten the crowd noise for Cena's matches during Mania? This is really where the turn came. And I think Rock really, well, Rock didn't have to get himself over. He's the Rock. But I think he really endeared himself to the IWC crowd because everything that we were thinking in regards to Cena, the Rock used it in one of those promos leading up to this match. Did he not? Yeah, you can start to hear the crowd where... The cheers for The Rock are everybody, <clears throat> and the cheers for Cena are the children and the women. And it's just a precursor to what's about, just about to happen after this period. But I, I don't know. I was, I was, I, I remember when you talked about the Raw after Mania, the previous one, and, you know, I was already disappointed that I, because I thought The Rock was going to come down and have a match and beat The Miz for the title at WrestleMania. And then the next night, you're disappointed again. But looking back, it really set the tone. I didn't think that it was a problem as much as they stretched it out. I don't know. I, I was just here for all of it. I'm a huge Cena mark. And Rock in this time period, 
solidifies himself as one of the greatest on the mic ever with all the amazing, excellent comedy that he pulls out insulting John You can't Johnson. see me. I mean, Can you see me? Yeah. You can't see me. <laughs> that was brilliant. It's great shit. I mean, Fruity Pebbles is a chant now. Everything else, you know. He gets Pee Wee Herman the year before to call uh, Mean Gene a tool wearing John Cena shirt. It, it's just, it's great. It's great. Uh, it's great entertainment. So just a little odds and ends, and Tony and I we go back about back and forth about this all the time. He doesn't necessarily have rock on his Mount Rushmore. He thinks from that era, Stone Cold deserves it more. One of the reasons that I say that rock needs to be on Mount Rushmore. And this is one of them right here, because at this time, WrestleMania 28, Rock versus Cena, this was on paper the highest grossing WrestleMania in the history of WrestleManias. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, for me, he's on Mount Rushmore. Um, what do you know beyond... about what do you know about Mount Rushmore's? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I literally don't talk about him week on week <laughs> out ad nauseum. Pop. Um, and and also on Badlands we have a, a collated Matt Rushmore and The Rock is on that so um, everybody who's ever been on the show uh, The Rock's on there so maybe you you're alone on that on that opinion Tony uh, I think The Rock for me definitely has to be a Matt Rushmore not even just for his wrestling career because his career was actually relatively short if you if you add up all the years that he was actually wrestling he, he didn't wrestle for that long. It's what he brought to wrestling after um, with with the, the mainstream work and, and still getting involved in wrestling and, and really kind of like uh, bringing it up with him rather than just using ref- wrestling as a platform to become big. He brought wrestling along with him. And uh, so for that, and I, I think he's got to be on there. Who's with him? Hogan, Taker, and Austin? Um, for me, Jericho, uh, Austin, uh, The Rock... And take See, now I don't understand how you can't have Hogan on there, and you can. You also, if you don't, you can't get Hogan without Andre. So that's where I'm at with that. I mean, that's why it's the subjectivity of bad Badlands. Uh, there's no wrong answer unless it's uh, Captain Lou Albano, like uh, Mr. Paul Teller, and I will forever give him shit for that. <laughs> that's hilarious. But I mean, honestly, though, this match considering that it had been years since The Rock actually wrestled. It wasn't a bad match. So, okay, number one, first and foremost, going into this, I, I, I'm only going to speak for myself here. I can't speak for you guys. I'm. That's why we have a podcast. You guys will be able to speak for yourselves. Going into this, I thought it was just going to be a one-off. And I was just happy that we got The Rock back in some capacity. And I figured, okay, we'll get the rock. He's going to talk his shit. Him and Cena go out and have a match. He'll put Cena over and crown him as the new generation, yada, yada, yada. Obviously, hindsight is always twenty twenty. seeing as how that the it, it, it happened in Miami, which is the rock's adopted hometown. I should have saw it coming, but I didn't. It was just, I was just happy to see him. And the fact that he won, that took it to the next level for me. And even the story that the match itself told, I thought it was well-crafted. Because basically the story of the match is, I'm better than The Rock from Cena. I'm better than The Rock. Cena's hubris got the best of him. He underestimated The Rock. Because you could see it at certain points in the match where he would look at The Rock. He's like, whoa. And Rock's like, yeah, motherfucker, I'm The Rock. But his humorous got the best of him, and he got got. 
by the great one, you know. So I, I thought just all in all, it was a good piece of business. Yeah, and and the old kind of uh, storyline from Cena's point of view was that the Rock had gone Hollywood, that he'd, he'd left wrestling uh, in, and never looked back. What was it, eight years since he was actually uh, in a wrestling match? It's a long time, and uh, for the Rock to be able to come back and and put on a thirty-minute main event on the biggest show of the year and still look like he'd never missed a beat um, I think it's a testament to just how good of a wrestler he actually was uh, the match was was brilliant, back, loads of back and forth action uh, near falls from, from both guys um, I've always been interested to, to, to know whether the plan was to have the, the, the second uh, WrestleMania main event in a row or whether it was specifically going to be once in a lifetime and they just saw how well the, the two worked and Vince went, that's some good shit, we need to run that back or whether it, it was it was just meant to be a one-off or whether the plan was for The Rock to have this three-year kind of WrestleMania run. That'd be interesting to, to hear what... Uh, whether that was the plan or not, but for me, this was the Rock return to his absolute best. Like I said, never missed a beat. This is and such Tony. good shit. <laughs> That's funny. And Tuddy, I mean, this is really was this not the Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan blueprint? I'm talking about the way that they laid out the match because you you have the similar, the exact same blueprint at WrestleMania 20 with Goldberg and Brock although that didn't hit because the Smarks got hip to what was happening and it be, it became a disaster. But I mean, like, beat for beat, I feel like this was the exact same layout. And it, and it worked this time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, is this the one where Rock comes out and does some chain wrestling? He does some arm drags and, and, and looks the arm bar around and, and floats around and everything yes. else? I yes. enjoyed and it. He, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't necessarily equate it to that, you know? I mean, you're going to have a, a little bit of formulaic presentation anytime you get two megastars together there's just certain things that work right i mean hulk hogan and rick flair are successful because they can listen to the crowd and it really doesn't matter whether they're playing tiddlywinks or they're wrestling in the ring so it's two guys that understand working with the crowd it's two guys that have been that are more over than almost anybody ever in the business so i was i was there for all of it and and, and don't forget that this was uh a callback as well to, to WrestleMania 18 with the the whole kind of facing off head to head with the crowd, but you could see where the the little twist was that um, Cena didn't want to play that game. He was forever eyeballing the Rock. Uh, when they were, uh, if you remember back at WrestleMania 18, it was a very slow turn from one side of the crowd to the other side of the crowd. Both Hogan and, and Rock were were pretty much in unison. In this one, Cena wanted to keep the Rock's attention. Um, so I like the way they call back to it, but made it their own. And this mania is going to forever hold a special place in my heart because this was the last mania, excuse me, that I ever got to watch with my stepfather. Uh, he recently passed away, pardon me, within the last few years. But I had just moved out to Arizona when this mania was there, happening, and he was still, at the time, living with my mom before you know they had to put him in the home and his favorite match on this card which for my money was the best match on this card was the culmination of that four-year storyline that we talked about earlier it truly was in a lot of ways the end of an era 
So we have Undertaker. He runs through Shawn Mike at 25. He retires Shawn Mike at 26. Triple H tries to get revenge for his best friend at 27. And then come 28, we ump the Annie. All right? So not only are we going to have it in Hell in a Cell, we're going to have Triple H's best friend, Shawn Michaels, be the guest referee. So we're really stacking the deck here against Undertaker, right? Like, we really want to end this streak just as a big F you to Taker. And the story that these three men told, my God, this was this was sports entertainment at its finest or even if you want to say professional wrestling like it it literally doesn't get any better than that does it well it's what happens when you it's what happens when you get the last chapter of a really good book and it delivers right i mean mike knox will tell you that this should have been the legit end of an era (laughs) that he wishes there wouldn't have been more after this for taker or sean mike right down the road maybe we count that maybe we don't but having the ability to draw from everything right just the past three years not the past 25 years is just it's it's so much ammunition for three guys that already have the capability of telling an amazing story megs yeah and and then you add to it that jim ross came out to to commentary that to me uh would have signified is this going to be the the absolute end of an era is this the end of the street you you just didn't know going into the match what was going to happen there was so much on the line and like you said we we had the emotions of the show Michaels and uh and undertaker matches we had triple h basically avenging his his brother but coming up short and then we had we had this uh the perfect fitting end to a, a four-year story it was just absolutely well told and it could have easily shit the bed it could have not not hit the marks but these two guys and with show Michaels in that ref spot absolutely delivered 100% not a misbeat emotion just it was just so well played it was like watching it was like watching a film it was so well done it, it was man just all the nuance and the subtlety because if you go back to it there's a lot of callbacks so okay 25 Sean makes that one mistake. He goes for the moonsault. Uh, he's trying to vanquish the demon. So he, you know, he high risk. That's why it's called high risk, right? He got caught. Boom. One, two, three is the wrap. It's eating him up at a whole next year, and he can't get over it. He's a guy made this one mistake. And he's like, I beat you. We're good here. Until Sean finally goats Taker into taking the match. I mean, and Sean tried, right? He tried to go out there and win the Rumble. He came up short, and then all ultimately he cost Undertaker his title match, and that's when Taker says, all right, we'll do this again, but I want your career. 27, great match. Taker does not leave the ring on his feet. He has to be helped out the ring. So now Taker's in the shot position. Like, okay, yeah, I won, but I really lost because I didn't walk out. So I got to get my get back. And Trips is like, and nah, I don't know. And then obviously, eventually they upped the ante. Hell in a Cell, Shawn Mike's the ref. And I mean, this was just brilliant storytelling. When This is the type of stuff when people ask, well, why are you a professional wrestling fan, Tuddy? I would point to something like this and say, right there, look at that, watch that. How can you not be into this after watching that? There's a hole in your soul, and you need to fill it if you can't get into this and if this doesn't give you goosebumps. Wrestling yeah. isn't basically... The, 
what professional wrestling is and what it is to its fans is really not explained to people who are not into wrestling. They don't understand that you have to use suspension of disbelief. And when you do, you're just watching a really good movie. You're watching a really good play. And you're watching it with physicality. And that's where they capitalized here. Thank God they brought the Hell in a Cell in, though, so, so Taker couldn't do any more dives that uh, Triple H would botch and almost break his back on. So good thing we're past that. But, yeah, I mean, how about all the times that Triple H looked at Shawn Michaels and said, you end it, or I'm going to, right? You know, he gets the sledgehammer taken away from him, the chair and everything else. So, yeah, it's just, it's it's funny because it's it's almost, <laughs> it's not, but it's almost a better story because of what became for it with Undertaker and Sean. Mm-hmm. And and I started this uh, um, analyzing this WrestleMania, giving the WWE grief about not being able to tell long-term storylines, and yet I'm now praising them for a four-year, well, essentially a 25-year storyline, uh, and they absolutely hit it out of the park with the ending. Um, yeah, it was a, 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 an outstanding match. But, Mags, isn't that what pisses you off as a wrestling fan? Because you see shit like this, and you know they can do it. Mm-hmm. But why don't they do it consistently? That like That's what pisses you off, right? Because we are now not the target audience. Their target audience has, um, has a, um, an attention span of four to five minutes tops. That's why they repeat everything ad nauseum on Raw. They give you clip after clip. This this just happened two minutes ago um, because the the fans are, uh, are are now skewed so young that they have to keep doing that. So this kind of uh, storytelling wouldn't appeal to that age of a fan. This appeals to us who've, who've watched it from from day one when this started in the mid nineties, and we've seen these wrestlers go through the full career and then we come to to the the, the the pinnacle of the mountain, the end of the story, and we need it to deliver, and it absolutely does. So one more note that I wanted to touch here on WrestleMania 28, and then we can move on, was the CM Punk-Chris Jericho match. Going into this mania, I had such high expectations for this match. And going back and re-watching it for this particular show... I feel the exact same way that I felt the first time I watched it. It was good. It wasn't great. I expected more considering the two combatants. And it was really the first time that I saw that Chris Jericho no longer had his fastball. Like, he couldn't hit 99 on the speedometer anymore. Yeah, I agree. Uh, But I think what, what takes this down even more is the fact that you could see that Punk was so frustrated that he wasn't the main event. Uh, I don't. I, I mean, the, it's it's been talked about ad nauseum whether his issues with uh, with the part bomb uh, was was legitimate or whether it was worked. I think there was a hell of a lot of legitimacy in there. He was frustrated that he was not the the face of the company, uh, and he he just he just phoned it in. It's as simple as that. He phoned it in because he wasn't the main event. He wasn't uh, who was on the post. He wasn't on the on the cups. He didn't get his own ice cream bars. All that that palaver that he went through, he he didn't give his his all because he knew ultimately that that the Rock and Cena was was just going to outshine him. 
I think he was pissed off because Jericho's jacket didn't work when he came out. <laughs> that, I mean, that would piss you off. <laughs> I, I agree. So I want to we're we're gonna dive more into the CM Punk thing moving forward because I'm I'm one of the few fans that doesn't begrudge CM Punk for the decision he made. So let's take a quick break, pay a couple of bills. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about 29. We're going to lead us into 30. Uh, again, you're listening to Mania Madness on TheChairShot.com. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Welcome back to Mania Madness, folks. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Make sure you check it out and make sure you're listening to Chair Shot Radio Network. Tons of great shows. I mean, DWI podcast, Badlands podcast. We got sports, five rounds. Down the Wire is a new podcast we added. Make sure you check out Babyface and Heel podcast. Greg DeMarco is a great follow on Twitter. He's been doing some interesting things, uh, get, getting some eyeballs from him in some interesting places. So check out at ChairShotGreg there. And then make sure you're following our Twitter feed and other things on social media, I'm sure Facebook and Instagram as well, at ChairShotMedia. Tons of things going on there. TheChairShot.com, sports, entertainment, and sports entertainment. Always use your head. You heard the man. So once in a lifetime... WrestleMania 28, right? <laughs> Once in a lifetime, Let's right? Again, bitches. But yeah, so who's lifetime? Unless it makes a, <laughs> unless it takes a whole lot of money. What May Young or somebody like that or whomever passed that year prior. But what's in a lifetime unless we make a shit ton of your money, me, and then we're gonna come back. So WrestleMania 29, New Jersey, New York, whatever you want to call it, we get Roxena 2, Electric Boogaloo. Max, has there ever been a flatter main event, especially considering the two combatants? Has there ever been a flatter main event? Because we were all shocked that Rock actually won the first one, but going into this, and to their credit, they tried to up the stakes. They put the belt on Rock. I was actually at that Royal Rumble in 2012 in Arizona when Rock won the title, so that was cool. Not a great match, but I got to see the Rock wrestle. But we all knew what it was, right? This was the march to the inevitable. And it just fell flat like a fart in church, I believe. Yeah, you knew what was happening. It was, this was Cena getting his win back. It's as simple as that. Um, and again, part of the, the, the three-year vanity project of The Rock. Um, sometimes when you uh, go away, you missed but when you're there three years in a row when you, you, you're taking up a top spot, yeah, it, it kind of gets frustrating. And like I said, the, the match was, 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 was good, arguably as good as, as the, the, the year before, but the atmosphere was not as good because it wasn't once in a lifetime anymore. We'd been duped. We had been, uh, we'd had the wool pulled over our eyes um, and the belt made it interesting, I suppose, but yeah, it, it just didn't have the spectacle that the year before had. Tony, we've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, run amok, led astray, because it was not once in a lifetime. And to be fair, I, obviously I didn't enjoy this match as much as the first one, but Rock also suffered a, a groin tear mm-hmm. about midway through the match and then proceeded to wrestle, I think, another, what, 12 to 15 minutes. 
And it's funny, I, I should have put this as a plat fact, but it's just coming to me now. The initial plan was to have Rock come out, and I should have talked about this last week as well. We had Brock debut the night after WrestleMania 2028, 20, but the initial plan was to have Rock come out, and they were just going to run it back how they did last year, the Monday before Mania, or the Monday after Mania, rather, where Brock comes out, F5 Cena, then they had their match. This time, Rock was going to come out, Brock was going to come out, F5 Rock, and now Mania 30, that's where we're going. That's supposed to be the main event, but because Rock suffered that severe groin tear, I, I think the groin was, like, torn completely off the bone or something like that, so he, you know, was rushed to the hospital and tried to figure that out, and Really, that kind of puts a, a monkey wrench into a lot of plans moving forward. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that more next week. But, you know, 29, yeah. Tony, what did you think going back and, and rewatching? What were your initial thoughts when you first saw it and then going back and rewatching it? I remember being thrilled that we got The Rock. I, I remember being thrilled that he beat CM Punk, not because I wasn't a fan of Punk, but because that meant we were going to get a lot of rock for more of a period of time, right? Like, if you don't, if you think it's disappointing, maybe that's on you. I don't know. I enjoyed it. Like, I kind of have a different opinion of all of us because I never really thought we'd get rock come back and, and do any more than just one match. So now we're going to get the second one, right? Now he's going to get the belt and he beats CM Punk. And now he's at a large, a large amount of raws between Royal Rumble and, and WrestleMania. So I was there for it. I, I mean... It's interesting what happened there with what they had planned, and maybe that's what made a certain decision happen at 30, but we're going to get to that. So, Mag, so, okay, so Rock comes back at, what what was it, Raw 1000 that year, announces he's going to be challenging whomever the champion is at the Royal Rumble. At this point in time, CM Punk is the champion. Longest reign in the modern era. We're not going to include Bruno, who held the belt for... 50,427 years give or take a month or two <laughs> and he's you know he had this run but it's like he, he he okay he had the run but he wasn't necessarily the top guy he wasn't necessarily the main event I mean they had a match where it was him versus Daniel Bryan but the pay-per-view was headlined by John Laurinaitis versus John Cena so I, I brought all that up to say that I kind of feel where Punk's coming at at this particular point in time. Like, you put the belt on me, you strap the rocket to me, but only so far. And then you come back, I'm an afterthought. Now, to be fair, that afterthought was a damn good match with The Undertaker, which is also a co-main event at WrestleMania at this particular point in time as well, because it's the streak thing. But at the same point in time, I can understand how he would feel a certain way that he wasn't inserted in that main event. But Mags also on the WWE side of the game you previously this match was the highest grossing Wrestlemania in the history of Wrestlemania's it kind of behooves you which means in your best interest to try to run that back and see if you can make some more money right and and they did because this made more money than the year previous so it, it clearly um, it, it worked financially um, whether it worked in terms of a good product uh that that's debatable, uh, and yeah, this w- uh, I totally agree with your points on on Punk. If last year's WrestleMania frustrated him, this one must have pissed him 
off because he went on that monumental run as champion. He deserved a WrestleMania main event and for him to be given the Bill Goldberg treatment um, and, and get screwed over just as it's coming to the big big show, yeah, he must have been absolutely just frustrated with that. Uh, I mean, getting the Undertaker match... Uh, any other year, it would he, it would have been an honour for for Punk on this. It would have looked like uh, a booby prize. Um, I, yeah, I, I can totally. Un- I mean, I've never been the the biggest Punk fan. Um, it was in that the whole period where I just wasn't uh, really interested in him at all, and I, he's blocked me on Twitter. So, Foxy and Punk basically. Um, but yeah, he got done dirty two years in a row. Come on, Phil's a nice guy. <laughs> but I've, I mean, li- I've literally never ever spoke about him on Twitter ever. Never been in a conversation about him, or never uh, alluded to anything about him because I just weren't. I wasn't into him during that period, so I didn't have that emotional connection to him. And then I got tagged in a in a thread where he commented, and I couldn't see his comment. And I'm like, why has he blocked me? I've never ever spoke about this guy. Um, so yeah, I'll never be a big punk fan anymore because of that. So, so Tony, that's hilarious, by the way. But Tony, most arguments and disagreements when it comes to men, they're about one or two things. It's either about money or it's about a woman. This particular argument, this is the rare case where, frankly, I don't think either side was wrong. It's it's about money. I mean, money, power. I mean, money and prestige in the in the wrestling business kind of go hand in hand. If you're in the main event, you're going to make more money. If you're the main guy, you're going to make more money. You know, the fact that it comes out later on that the the condition he was in and what he worked through and how unsupportive it seemed like WWE was at the time of him trying to get healthy, and that's all hearsay. Who really knows what exactly happened? But, yeah, I mean, he did deserve a WrestleMania main event. I, I do agree with that. But that's the problem when you got guys like John Cena and The Rock and Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. I mean, the WWE is not the only, you know, big show in town for no reason at this time. And I, I got to admit, fellas, out of the block of manias that we are covering this week, this is by far and away the worst. It, it, it just was. I, I There wasn't a whole lot going here. There were a few good matches here and there. I really enjoyed Taker and 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 CM Punk uh, a few there were a few noteworthy moments here though this WrestleMania 29 actually marked the debut of the shield and they had a three way with the new age outlaws and i believe Kane was the was their partner as well so that's kind of a big deal Randy i know WWE the big show. i beg your pardon so the one i'm talking about is next next week right or next year yeah i beg your pardon thank you Tony that's why you're here so that was a big deal. I'm sure WWE thought it was going to be a bigger deal, but we'll get to some of that next week as well. But that happened. Mags, the Alberto Del Rio Jack Swagger, the match, but I guess the match is not so much the match. The match was mad, but the build to this with uh, Dutch Mantel, a.k.a. Zeb Coulter, going full MAGA before MAGA was even a thing here with the <laughs> real American, all American. Controversial. Very controversial, but this is one of the reasons why wrestling isn't as hot as it used to be, because back in the day, 
that's how you got heat, right? <laughs> but now you're a publicly traded company, and when certain things start to kind of catch fire within the mainstream, you got to walk it back a little bit, which is what they did here with this particular segment. Because you remember they did the promo after it was catching heat. They did the promo saying, oh, well, this is Jose Rodriguez, Alberto Del Rio. He's my friend, and we're actors, and we're characters. And Glenn Beck, they invited Glenn Beck come to come on to Raw and talk about it because I, I think he had talked about this particular feud on his on his show. But, I mean, that's how you got heat in wrestling traditionally. But you can't – you can only steer into this kid so far in this new world that we find ourselves in. But mm-hmm. just just talk about this feud and this build all together because it's – it's on the WTF side of the game. Yeah, this was a, a throwback to uh, the the early '80s where this kind of stuff flew. It, it was funny uh, back then. It was uh, it was something that was acceptable back then. Uh, casual racism was was not even a term. It was not even like, uh, looked at as, as something that that existed. It was just people had that them those kind of mindsets and. When you're bringing that into the 2010s and you're still trying to play off that as a, as a storyline, you either have to ham it up uh, to where you are parrying it, or you 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 go whole hog, uh, and that's what what WWE did. They went whole all hog into it, and it just did not land. It was a different time. Um, it was it was just it was it was hard to watch knowing how how racist it ended up getting um and then knowing how the world has, has totally changed uh it 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 it, it kind of like gave um uh, a little peek into what we end up having with uh boris johnson and donald trump as as the the leaders of the free world almost it was uh yeah, quite distressing to watch and then the match didn't really deliver to 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 benefit it so it it yeah, it was a it was a damp squib, an absolute damp squib. <laughs> and, and you know, Mags, I I agree with you to a degree, but I disagree that they they went full hawk because uh, I, I think that was kind of the problem with it. They tried to play both sides, mm-hmm. which is why they did that promo saying, "Hey, y'all, we're just playing." And I think if they would have steered into it, because ultimately, Alberto triumphed. So that would have been, you know, that's great storytelling right there. But I feel like they tried to play both sides because they they felt the heat and they didn't want to go. They they couldn't go all way, all the way. You know, you're a publicly traded company, and that's yeah. just kind of you know where we're at right now. But Jack didn't do himself any favors either because I believe what was it two weeks before WrestleMania he got popped for a DUI. So even if they had thought about maybe putting the title on him, obviously they weren't going to do that at that particular point in time, right? Yeah, absolutely, and and it, and as we've said in in previous WrestleManias, it's not like he had the the, the charisma to to carry it off. Um, so it, it was always kind of someone who only needed one or two issues, and he'd and he'd be on on the ropes and probably be out of the company. And um, ironically, the the most problematic wrestler in this in this era is was also charismatic enough to get away with it a lot more, and ended up winning the match. Oh God, we're not even gonna go there. <laughs> we are not gonna go there. <laughs> I know oh, exactly I... what you're saying, brother. But we, oh boy, that could be its own six-part anthology series, right? Definitely. In and of itself, the 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 rise and fall and what the fuck of Alberto Del Rio. Alberto Del Rio, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. 
Uh, so a couple other notes, man, on this WrestleMania 29, which again, yeah, Brock and Triple H. So Brock and Triple H have the match at SummerSlam. Brock breaks Triple H's arm, kayfabe, breaks Shawn Michaels' arm, kayfabe. Triple H loses at SummerSlam, puts his career on the line here at Mania. This feud just didn't do it for me. For whatever reason, these two guys just didn't seem to have chemistry in the ring. And I didn't like it was a trilogy. I didn't like any of these matches. Is, would somebody like to argue me on that point? It seems like uh, there's a lot of places where Triple H ends up in spots that you don't maybe think he should be in. Um, some repetitiveness, some main events, and things of that nature. I think, is this the first, I know it's the first WrestleMania, but is this the first pay-per-view we see Triple H with the short hair? Uh, yeah, I think so. So there's It's a, the first I remember. Yeah. I, I like the match. I thought it was a really good match. I just, you know, it's it's an odd pairing. You know, Mike Knox talked about uh, different dance partners not working the greatest together, and maybe this is one of those. Um, but all in all, anytime you've got a guy of Lesnar's, capabilities and, and Triple H's talent, you're, you're probably going to be interested in what's happening. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can agree with that. No, go, go ahead, Max, because I was going to yeah. say I, I was interested, but these matches just didn't hit for me for whatever reason. Yeah, um, I, I can agree with what uh, Tony said, but for me, this was the first time that you could see Triple H not being the Triple H of, of old if you understand what I mean, that this Triple H was transitioning into being uh, the the backstage uh, authority figure that he that he ended up as becoming. Um, when you can just see when guys kind of lose a lose that that extra second or that extra little bit of uh, I don't want to say passion because I think he's always had the passion for wrestling, but just that that little bit of edge that uh, that he needed, and this felt like it was him being in a position that he didn't really need to be in. He didn't need to be in, in this feud. He, uh, he didn't need to be in this match. This was just perhaps felt like a padding out of his uh, of his WrestleMania record, I suppose. And it's funny that you said that about uh, Triple H, Max, because I said the same thing about Jericho in 28, saying is how I saw the slippage in his game there as well. And, and speaking of Jericho, just one more thing I wanted to touch on at this Mania. They brought Jericho back to job out to the debuting Fandango. And the reason I brought that up is, and Tony, he knows where I'm going with this, but I'm with Vince. I really think that the Fandango character could have worked. Okay, a couple caveats. Number one, you probably should have took ballroom dancing classes and lessons. Like, you have to commit to the gimmick, right? You got to commit to the gimmick. Number two... If you're going to play that type of gimmick, you've got to have a little bit of an edge to you, kind of like Shawn Michaels. You know, he played the effeminate Chippendales dancer, but he was mean as a rattlesnake, pun intended. Shout out to Stone Cold. But, he, you know, he had a mean streak that he could tap into, and it, it gave credence to all the flamboyancy, right? Number three, and this is probably the most important, you have got to have chemistry with the woman that you have out there. Because it's got to be believable that this woman loves your dirty draws and it's going to make guys hate you. Because it's like you got this old Nancy boy gimmick, but this fine-ass woman is in love with you. It's going to make people want to punch you in the face. And he, he didn't have – they tried it with three different women. He didn't have chemistry with any of them. Ironically enough, the first partner that he actually had some chemistry with was Tyler Breeze. And 
we, you know, you, you take from that what you will. You know, we can draw a few, uh, a few uh, assumptions off of what I just said, but we'll and and it's led to a lot of jokes here on the Cheershot Radio Network and even before the Cheershot Radio Network. But take from that what you will. <laughs> I, I mean, you 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 hit the nail on the head. Uh, but I have got to give uh, Fandango props. First of all, this was his in-ring debut on the biggest show of the year uh, against one of the biggest stars in the game. Um, that must have been absolutely daunting for, for a wrestler to, to make that kind of impact. Props to Chris Jericho for putting over. Uh, he, he, was, he was in the position where he did not have to do this. For, for him to put over a new talent uh, and, and lose to him in the, in the manner that he did. Props to Jericho for that. And props to Fandango because this gimmick, must it, it could have easily shit the bed. But he's carried this for eight years, still playing off this gimmick. The Breezango stuff still works today. They, they're killing it in NXT. Um, yeah, uh, from such a horrible start... He could have easily faded off into into non-existence, but the guy has played it, so props to him. Wonder why it works so well, but I'm not going to go there. We're going to keep. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to not that there's anything wrong with that on the Seinfeld part of the game, but we're going to keep it moving like an escalator here, ladies and gentlemen. WrestleMania 30. Before we get to that, there's a couple of points that we do have to bring up. So this year. A few weeks after the Royal Rumble, CM Punk and WWE just decide that they're sick of each other's shit. For whatever reason, everybody has their side, whatever, whatever, Punk's out the picture. And that opens things up, which we're going to we're gonna talk about here momentarily. And I really want to get Ray in here on this because this is something that we've gone back and forth about, frankly, since we've known each other. But another big thing happens around this time and before WrestleMania 30 which is the launch of the WWE Network. And it's funny because there's this weird correlation between technology and the genre of professional wrestling. Because whenever there are technological advances, it seems like wrestling is right there at the forefront and ultimately it leads to a boom period in the industry. So, for example, if you go back to the late 40s, early 50s, when television first got popping, professional wrestling was right there it was one of the first sports that was on that that was on television as well and that led to a boom period that really kept going until probably the early 90s but if we fast forward a few years to uh, the late 70s early 80s when we had the advent of closed circuit which ultimately gave birth to pay-per-view First, we had Starcade, then we had WrestleMania, and around that time, Hulk Hogan was running wild, and we're off to the races again, right? If we keep going, the mid-90s, when cable television, it was first, this is when it was first widely accessible, and they started to develop more channels as well. We've got the Monday Night Wars leading into the Attitude Era, another boom period. And it's funny, and if you take that all the way to 2014, Ray, it's funny because it feels like WWE was actually ahead of the curve this time with the WWE Network, especially when you consider that fast forward to 2021, everybody and their mother has a streaming service. They're too ahead of the curve almost, I think, because they were so forward thinking that they kind of screwed themselves out of more money and, and, and doing it better, which isn't always necessarily a bad thing because, you know, 
they were nobody's beating Netflix when they come YouTube or Netflix when it comes to these streaming services and whatnot. But the first I think to really make a hit in the world of live entertainment as Netflix was usually binge watching or started doing their own stuff was the network and you're absolutely right and more pertinently I know we're talking about you're, you're alluding to these other studios like HBO Max and Paramount Plus and whatnot. But more pertinently they changed the way pay-per-view was done and every wrestling company had to get their own streaming service. New Japan World got pushed a lot more uh, importantly. Ring of Honor has Honor Club. Impact has their whatever global force wrestling app on the whatever it is. But you you had that's what you had tell to that, have that. Tell that to AEW. Still charging fifty dollars per pay per view. Well, they look. They are they are carrying on the spirit of WCW. But you get like sparklers with it. Not you. Do, they don't send <laughs> them to you. You get to watch them. This is facts. This is facts. Um, See, every now and again, I say some smart shit. Yeah, no. This this you you're absolutely right. They were ahead of the curve, and I love your correlation of technology changing in, in wrestling, particularly WWE, being at the forefront of that change. Closed circuit, like you said, with WrestleMania starting. Nobody ever thought of that before. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. And WrestleMania 30 was kind of the perfect show to start a new era, if you will. So, Ray, Ray you were there in yes. the house on the LL Cool oh. J side of the game what? for WrestleMania 30. Oh, I never told you that, man. It's the first you've heard of this, Megs. Today, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just salty. My brother PC Tunney got the, the highway patrol haircut. I love you, but we, we got to grow your hair back out. But Ray, <laughs> Ray, there's a couple, obviously there's a lot of things that I want to talk about here on, on this many, but we got to start with probably the biggest which okay. was the ending of the streak. So I want to go around the horn, but before we get into whether or not that was the right call, describe the feeling in the building, because one of the quorums that I have about the network is that they go back and re-edit things, because I can tell you exactly where I was and what I was doing when the streak, when the moment that the streak ended, and I feel like they, they went, well, I don't feel like it, I know they went back and edited that out. So they added some crowd noise into there with some booze, which didn't need to be said. And then Michael Cole immediately after match, the streak is over. Well, that's not how it went down. It was an audible silence from the entire WWE universe, whether you were in the, the silver dome, shout out to Hulk Hogan, or if you're watching on the network or on pay-per-view, I, I feel like the collective WWE, WWE Universe, we all had an audible silence, and it felt like it lasted forever. In reality, it was probably only a minute or two. But talk about that a little bit, man, just being there in the building for that monumentous moment. So, it was absolute silence. Dead air silence. I've been to some, I've been lucky and blessed to be at some pretty big events in my life, basketball, football, baseball, high school, college, and, uh, you know, big events full of people, major um, occurrences, wrestling shows on top of that besides WrestleMania 30. 
I've never felt that many people dead silent in my life. It is the most eerie feeling I've probably ever had at a wrestling show. But to give a little extra context, I mean, well, from where I was sitting, I was I was in the I was in the two hundred section, so I was close enough to get a good view, but I wasn't close enough to see people's facial expressions. We didn't know he had a concussion yet. We had we had no idea Taker was was out. We knew he was off, but we didn't know he was out of there. But I've been watching wrestling long enough to to take to find cues and things and kind of be able to forecast some stuff. And I'm sure all of us on this call have. Um, of course, we're always going to be shocked by some things, but you can kind of you can tell where a certain person does this or where this this is coming next or whatever. I the third F five, was that what it was? He, when he went up, when he hit the third F five, I looked at my boy and I said, I think he's about to break the streak because there's no way he's kicking out of three. And that's when, it, literally one, two, three, and the best part about the the best part, one of the most genius things WWE has ever done, is right after the pin. They didn't play any music. They did. Well, there that, was no. Go ahead. I apologize, man, but that's what I'm saying, man. The that's why the edit sucks because they let it breathe in mm-hmm. the moment, and the it made it that you more heard, monumental. The only thing you heard was Paul Heyman. Oh my God! That's all you heard, and they didn't even show the graphic twenty-one and one up for like thirty seconds. So most of us were like, "Was that an accident?" Well, we and really everybody didn't know. And everybody went quiet when the ring announcer came on to announce. The win- everybody was waiting to say, oh, no, something happened. But no, he just, your winner, Brock Lesnar. And that's when the booze came. And, Mag, so watching it, I was at my, I can tell you exactly where I was at. I was, uh, so Amber, and you guys know her, you listen to her every day on the Chairshot Radio, First Lady of the Chairshot her and I, we've been together since uh, September of 2013. So this was our first mania together. And we were at my brother Danny Hardcore Hubman's house, his his apartment, watching this. And it wasn't a great match, obviously. We didn't know Taker was get cussed, but it wasn't a great match. And I'm sitting there watching it, and again, like like Ray and I talked about, I didn't mean to step on my, my brother's story, but that was my first thought. When I saw that third F5, in the, it just in my head, I didn't even say it out loud. I'm just thinking in my head, I was like, huh. That's weird, the third F5. Not even thinking about what was about to come. And then when that three count hit, I just yelled out, whoa. And we were just sitting there in stunned silence, man. So just talk about where you were at and what were your initial thoughts about the streak being broken. Okay, so this was, uh, I, I was, I think I was alone when I was watching this because I, um, my missus just does not get wrestling at all. She she calls me childish for still enjoying it. Um, so yeah, this would have been a four o'clock in the morning. Um, just it's the kind of match where you just don't expect it because we've seen Taker win twenty matches in a row. You you think this is his legacy? This is where he's going to retire unbeaten at WrestleMania. Brock didn't need the rub. Brock was already a massive star at that time. Um, it just didn't need to happen and then when you hit that third um, F5 I'm like you guys I'm like three it it doesn't normally hit three without without it meaning something then we get the pin and the silence and the, the graphics and it's like wow 
I, I felt a piece of my life had ended because I've watched this guy win 21 matches at WrestleMania in a row and that is now over. It was it was massive. It was a, over half of my life I've been watching Undertaker just destroy fools at WrestleMania and now he's the one who essentially got destroyed. It was um, very sobering. It kind of ages you because you realise how long you've been watching one guy dominate and then now the the baton was had been passed and for me if he would have retired at that point it would have been perfect Un- unfortunately the guy had to keep going for another seven years i disagree with the fact that well maybe brock lesnar didn't need the rub okay and it would have been a sin to let taker take this streak with him you know when he leaves the business no but but what this win does is it sets up WWE and its mm-hmm. business for the next... Until, we're still in it, right? Because of yeah, what I happened. Mean, I mean, it makes Brock Lesnar so fucking legit on top of everything else. I, I agree and, with you. And I, I wasn't saying uh, Brock didn't need the rub as if to say this result didn't need to happen because in hindsight, it absolutely did. I agree with you. They, nobody should uh, go out unbeaten. You should always go out passing it on to the next generation. And, and Brock, like like you just said, this has set uh, the WWE up for their next phenom for the next decade. And Brock is a generational talent. This guy is going to go down as uh, someone who was one of the very best to do it and knew his exact worth. It's just at the time, Brock was already a massive superstar. Um, and it just felt surreal that it had happened. So, Ray, I was going to go around the horn with this one, but I, I think that we're all in agreement on this because if, if you think about it at that particular point in time, let's just be honest, Brock Lesnar had lost a little bit of his luster in WWE. He came in the first night, he lost to Cena in his first match, which I think oh. that was that was a litmus test to see if he was actually going to do business. That's what that sure. was. Sure. But then he had the he had the the trilogy with Triple H. He lost at WrestleMania, and some of that, I'm the baddest melon farmer on the planet. I feel like some of that had dissipated. But then as soon as he beat that streak, like Tony said, was there, WWE is still profiting from what they created on that night with that yeah. decision. And and Uh-oh. and oh, just one more thing before you go, Taker also it, clearly it it became painfully obvious literally starting that year and and to the next that he wasn't able to have the caliber of matches that the streak warranted every year at Mania anymore that time it passed absolutely um a little thing about the streak I hated the streak and the reason I hated the streak was was only because I think the streak hurt more people than it helped personally I think um, streak was clearly the most important thing at WrestleMania, but the streak was bigger than the, than the, than the championship at, at a certain point. And so, and what I hated about the streak was this: that I, I I completely agree with the way it was done. I don't think a new guy or an up and coming guy should have broken it because that's the type of thing that can kill your career as much as it can help it. The fact that it went to an established beast of a person who can handle that is was worth it and and because you and to your point honey it has helped and grown business 
And Brock has since given back in his own right, putting over Roman, putting over Drew. Um, even if kind of, if you want to look at it from a peripheral way, putting over Seth. Um, but so, yeah, the streak was always an albatross that just loomed over everything, especially in the run, like you guys said, from 21 to 29. It, it, it was, it, you, it's, you absolutely look forward to the streak, but the streak was bigger than the damn mania. People were saying Undertaker's bigger than Wrestle fucking Mania. And that that it, it that may be conjecture and hyperbole, but people believed it. And so I hated to see him go out the way he did. I would have liked to have seen him go out in a better way. Um I would have liked for him to be more open to getting to losing the streak because what we know now, this wasn't his idea. Vince said this is what's going to happen, and because Taker's a businessman, he did business. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely think that a guy like Brock was the right person who needed who need Brock needed to to break the streak. So, any other streak thoughts? Because obviously we got to get to WrestleMania here. But does anybody have any other uh, prevalent streak thoughts before we get up out of here? Okay, cool. WrestleMania. So. I alluded to it earlier, so CM Punk walks out, which allegedly creates a bit of a void at the Mania card. Now, this is something that Ray and I, we've gone back and forth about over the years, and me personally, I've gone back and forth over the years about this whole Daniel Bryan push and the culmination of the Yes movement with Daniel Bryan holding up both Manias, yelling Yes as the crowd is in unison at the end of WrestleMania 30. You know, sometimes I think it was a work, but then uh, I remember a few years ago, CM Punk, he leaked online when he first signed with that WWE show. He leaked online the card that he was given for WrestleMania, which it clearly shows him wrestling Triple H and Daniel Bryan wrestling Sheamus. So I, I go back and forth, and then I've talked to this. I've talked about this with our commander in chief, Chairshot Greg. He tells me that he had insider information. Mm -hmm. and a a person on the side that told him exactly what was going to happen before it happened but Mm -hmm. I I go back and forth but Ray I'm going to cede the floor to you and then I want you to kind of throw it around the horn here the yes movement more more specifically Wrestlemania 30 work or shoot it's the greatest work since Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman it is the greatest work since Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman. And I think it's going to go down and be years before the, the players involved will admit it. Now, Punk has no reason to keep the charade up, but they knew Punk wasn't trustworthy to begin with. They didn't tell him the whole story. Um, if you want more in-depth, um, a more in-depth uh, breakdown of this, go listen to Chair Shot Radio, I believe, from last week on last Monday with Greg DeMarco, the head honcho, the big dog, and he explained it in depth of what the insider information he was told was. And it's spot on. Brian was supposed to be in the main event, but the Punk Triple H match was for Brian to get in the main event. It wasn't, Brian was never supposed to be to fight Triple H. Punk leaving gave him the opportunity to do that. Um, and uh, so, but I, I fully believe it, and everything 
everything you everything you saw from SummerSlam on showed you that it was built around Bryant. Even when they switched course, I mean, you you talk about a, a litmus test of when uh, a, a litmus test of uh, Brock losing to Triple H, not Triple H, but to Cena on his first night back to see if he'd do business. You could say that they gave Brian that Wyatt family uh, switch up just to see if Brian was really as over as they thought he was. Because one of the one of the redeeming factors, one of the biggest moments of that entire WrestleMania run, was when he when he turned on Bray and did the slow ass yes chant in the cage. By the way, he was massively concussed. He doesn't remember that, uh, but oddly enough, to show what the future would show us. But this is absolutely one of the greatest works in the history of professional wrestling. And the beauty of it is, even if it, nobody will ever believe it's, it's true, because fans want so desperately to believe that they were single-handedly the reason that he got that spot. It, it, it kills the entire mystique of Daniel Bryan if they believe the company was always behind him. Beautiful. And that's one of my problems with it, because whether it was a work or whether it was a shoot, I think that it was one of the worst things that could possibly happen to the industry because it made the fans think that they mattered and that they had a voice. And I mean, I think that's hindered a lot of WWE's plans moving forward from there. But but Max, what are your thoughts, man? Work or shoot and just your thoughts overall about the entire yes movement. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with every single word that that Ray's just said. Uh, I think this was uh, WWE's plan all along. Uh, they they wanted to see how over Brian was, and they took those fans on a on a journey, and they fell for it hook, line, and sinker. And and to your point about it uh, kind of being. Uh, uh, bad for the business again I've got to totally agree with you because we're still feeling the ramifications of this happening now when something isn't instantaneous and the fans don't get exactly what they want exactly when they want it they sh- it goes straight to social media and it gets absolutely destroyed and we've seen uh, big companies like AEW pander to those very same fans and it all Stems from this moment where the fans were given that power from the biggest company in in the game um, to to basically control the outcome of, of shows. Before before this, it it just didn't happen. You was given the storyline that you was given, it, uh, whether it, it was a happy ending or a, a sad ending or or however it finished, it was written by the company. Now. Uh, you see too many companies uh, changing the booking on the fly because it's not instantly getting over with fans and they are they're complaining about it on mass on social media and it has it's been to the detriment of the product. Tony, what say you, man? Workers shoot, and was this ultimately a negative for the industry? Uh, a working shoot? I don't know. A shooting work? Um, you know, I, there's there's elements of everything in it. You you don't really know. I mean, nobody knows. Vince knows. That's it. These are his, these are his action figures. They're real life people, and it's his story in his room with his ring, and he just lets us watch. Now, do I think necessarily the fans thinking that they can just boo their way into getting what they want is a bad thing? Not at all. It, 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 if you think social media is a bad thing, it, it's not. It, it's it's 
it's the way we perceive it. It's how you go about it. If you want to ignore the negative shit, just fucking ignore the negative shit. What it does do is get more people talking. I'll tell you that. And I believe it firm. I firmly believe all of that turned into more widespread fandom. I think the thing that killed a lot of this is we're in the G era right now. And that's where you can't necessarily swerve people in a way that they like it anymore. To say that the fans having the voice or thinking they have a voice, that's a bigger work than anything else, right? And they don't even know it. Um, all of this leads to $11.5 billion worth of uh, media contracts for WWE. So it's hard to argue against Vince McMahon in any way, shape, or form in the entirety history of the WrestleMania era of WWE. So does anybody want to extol the virtues of Cena and Bray before we move on? Or... Oh, Go Ray ahead, does. Ray. I knew Ray you does. would. He, he, I, he knew, was... I knew you would. Yeah. Go for it. I, I just think this is one of the most beautifully booked, beautifully uh, built and beautifully wrestled matches in the history of WrestleMania. I, I, there, this, honestly, I love this match. This, I would put this maybe in my top five matches of WrestleMania of all time. I love this match that much. The build was that beautiful. The the build to it, the they played off. Brave was able to play off of Cena's "Let's Go Cena, Cena Sucks" chance to a way that nobody else ever had before. Because he didn't play off of it saying they hate you. He played off of it saying, you know they hate you, but you keep pandering to them, but you know deep down inside you hate it. You're a monster. And this wasn't that embrace the hate shit that Kane tried to do, which was garbage. This was real life. I've seen what you can do. I know who you really are, John. And the match was so beautiful. Cena was so shook in the match. Because this is this is the beauty of the Bray Wyatt character back then and even to an extent now. Bray Wyatt was a character who never cared about winning. Bray, cared, Bray Wyatt was a character that cared about getting his points across. That's why in the match, he sits there and he just lets, hit me, John. Hit me with the chair. And that's why Bray Wyatt never got over, and that's why Bray Wyatt still doesn't get over, because he doesn't get the quality wins that he deserves. You can turn him into Pizza the Hut all you want, but I'm fucking sick of Bray Wyatt from the whole storyline altogether. It's ridiculous. Okay, that's cool, but you can't say he didn't get over when he's one of the top stars in the company. If you look at merchandise sales, if you look at interest, if you look at YouTube views, if you look at everything, he's one of the top stars in the company. I get a lot of people may not get him, but the facts show that Bray Wyatt is easily top three in the company in terms of merchandise sales and star and star and star power. That's factual. I'd have to see those. I I, I just love the. How at me when we get off the call? I you got Shout my number. That is Mel funny. Brooks and Spaceballs. Yes. Okay, so real quick, man. Uh, so we we touched on that, man. Any other. Uh, interesting tidbits or stories or anything like that coming out of your trip to Wrestlemania 30 down in New Orleans yeah man um, the trip to Bourbon Street so if you guys have ever been to, to Wrestlemania um, you know normally that um, the Saturday night before Mania is like the most wild night because everybody's trying to let some steam off normally after the Hall of Fame because it goes 17 hours all the wrestlers come out I had never been in New Orleans my entire life and I live in Houston that's a bit ridiculous so me and my boy, who actually is Creole and his family's from Louisiana, we decided to go to Bourbon Street, had us a good little time. But the thing that blew my mind was I was I, I was a Daniel Bryan hater for a long time, and I've always appreciated the guy, but I wasn't a fan of his because I didn't like the fa his fan base. I thought his fan base overextended who he was as a, as a wrestler and made him, like, made him... they. They made him unbearable to me because of how they treated him 
on this pedestal, right? Um, so, like, I may have been the only human being in New Orleans at the time who wasn't doing the Yes Chant. But literally, and this is how I, this is the thing that showed me that Daniel Bryan is bigger than a wrestling star. The entire night, all down Bourbon Street, for three hours, everybody was chanting yes. Strippers, cops, homeless people, drunks, everybody was chanting yes. I had never seen no shit like it in my life. And so that was the night I realized, and this was Saturday. This was before WrestleMania. That was the night that showed me that Daniel Bryan is a transcendent professional wrestler. So I made a point last on last week's show saying is how it seems like every 10 manias, there's somewhat of a paradigm shift within the company. That being said, between the culmination of the Yes movement, the ending of the streak, the building of the shield, all of that, was this the most important WrestleMania since 20? Just real quick around the horn, because we got to wrap this up, because Tony's about to cuss me out. Watch out. Where did Tony go? He's under that bus. I think it's a very important WrestleMania. It's hard to differentiate the import. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Considering where you get a B plus, a literal B-plus player come along that that is going to take over the wrestling world and the fact that you set yourself up for the next decade with Brock Lesnar definitely but you know otherwise it's really just Cena and the Rock and Cena's baptism into the WWE before that and the Undertaker streak between 20 and 30 are are we just counting the time period between those those two men Rainiers are we talking to now between 20 and 30 yeah Max, what say you? I, I don't disagree. I think I might get uh, shot over the pond. Uh, but no, I, I think this is, is so important. Uh, and it, it's exactly how you described it. It's that, that kind of decade-long uh, shift in play for, for, the, for the company where uh, an underdog rises to the top. It's, 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 it makes me excited to see what's going to happen for WrestleMania 40 and see which kind of... Uh, 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 underappreciated wrestler is going to be the, the the big star of that event. Check this out, Tony. WrestleMania 30 is the most important, but the MVP is WrestleMania 28. Okay. I'm, I, I was I was I am no I'm, I'm I'm no selling that by the way. Oh, that's some insider shit. Okay, cool. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with some Platts facts. We're going to talk about our MVPs, and we're going to get up out of here. You're listening to Mania Madness on the ChairShot Radio Network at thechairshot.com, reminding you to always use your heads. Here's a shoot. I'm out of commercials, so head on over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Pick yourself up a chair shot t-shirt. Make sure you listen to Chair Shot Radio and continue listening to Mady Mandis. We got one more next week. That's right, thechairshot.com. Let them know, Amber. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Best promo you ever cut. <laughs> so let's go ahead. I'm the only one working on a shoot over here. 
Word. Okay, cool. Word. You'll see pages of pages. You don't see me as fellow farmers are talking and I'm writing stuff off and crossing it off. And okay, cool. We're going to get here into Platt's facts, which is just some odds and ends about this block of manias. Y'all know, man, you done listened to four of these motherfuckers before. So, going back, <laughs> WrestleMania, what was it, 25, the one where uh, Chris Jericho fought the legends. That was 25, correct? <laughs> Yep. And we said we we're going to double back and talk about this Mickey Rourke situation. So, number one, brilliant movie and brilliant performance by Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. I believe he won the Golden Globes that year and were and was nominated as Best Actor for the Oscars. Mickey shot his load a little soon. He jumped the gun a little bit. I believe he was on the carpet at the Golden Globes and he challenged Chris Jericho to the match at WrestleMania. So Mickey, his people, and Vince and the WWE people had worked out that he wasn't going to say anything until after the Oscars because they were scared that if he was associated with professional wrestling that that might hurt his Oscar push. Ultimately, they walked it back. He still didn't win the Oscar. Hashtag Oscars so weird, <laughs> you know, but he didn't win. The, he, he didn't win it. So, yeah, this whole Mickey Rourke situation, this was a thing. And I, I'm I'm with Ray here. I'm a little disappointed that he jumped the gun because for all intents and purposes, I don't know if you guys knew this listening in, in podcast land, but Mickey actually trained to become a wrestler in order to play that part, which is why he was so believable in it. So I would have been interested to see what Mickey Rourke could have done with the dance partner, the caliber of Jericho, who not only has the physical attributes and abilities to go in the ring, but also understood the psychology and everything in the pomp and circumstances that went into wrestling. So I'm a little disappointed that we didn't get to see that, and I blame Mickey Rourke for it. Agreed. Agreed. It, what what yeah. could have been? My favorite Mickey so, Rourke movie of all time is Diner. Nobody liked Angel's Heart. You got to see uh, Lisa Bonet get fucked in blood. Dude, you got Paul Reiser, Kevin Bacon, Steve Gutenberg, Daniel Stern, Tim Daly. I mean, those people are all in that movie. If you've never seen Diner, go back and watch it. I kid. I kid, by the way. But go ahead, Ray. No, I was, like... gonna, I was gonna make a disparaging remark about Tony, but because I love him, I'm not gonna do it. So... Chris Jericho, God bless his heart, he was trying to save this thing. So he appeared on Larry King Live, R.I.P., back in the day, on a simulcast with him and Mickey Rourke. And he was trying to goad Mickey Rourke into backing back into the match. It actually had the opposite effect. Mickey thought he was shooting, and so when he showed up to do his spot at Wrestle at that WrestleMania, he had Frank Shamrock and Josh Barnett with him, just in case shit went down. And Jericho had to tell, like, bro, I was working. I was trying to get you back in the match. It was a work, bro. It's, it's all right. And then and, and the funniest part is uh, Chris Jericho on his podcast, he talks about Vince saw the guys, and he's like, oh, oh I'll take the little one. And I think the little one was <laughs> And Jericho's like, yeah, Vince, go for it, or some shit like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Mickey Rourke's threatening the wrong guy with people like that, though. This is the same person that went after Goldberg and Brock Lesnar backstage. So if you're going after Lesnar, I, I don't know who else is worse than that besides maybe Kurt Angle touche touche moving right along interesting fact Wrestlemania 27 was the only Wrestlemania where a title didn't change hands and that holds up to this day on the Deontay Wilder side of the game 
That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I have my moments, man. Moving right along. I mean, I, before you go on to WrestleMania 27, there is another interesting fact about WrestleMania 26. It's the oldest WrestleMania where everyone who was on the show is actually still alive. Ugh, that's grim. Like, how I... so? How sobering is that? Yeah, I, actually, it's not grim compared to some of the other previous plastics for some of these previous manias. So, shout out to everybody else for hanging in there at WrestleMania 26, right? Yeah, only mm-hmm. 11 years, and and that's the oldest one. Shocking. That's tough. That's tough. I don't even know how to come back from that, Mag. <laughs> I know. I ruined the 27 say. fact. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shaq and Big Show initially supposed to take place at WrestleMania 28. And I'm not going to lie to you guys, man. I looked, I looked, I looked, and I tried to find the reason that this match did not happen at WrestleMania 28. And quite frankly, I could find himself said he has no idea why the match didn't take place. Everybody's doing the money, money, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is I could not find concrete evidence as to why Shaq and Big Show did not happen at a WrestleMania 28. Shaq bitched out. That's why. So, another interesting fact. In 2016, while The Rock was doing press to promote the Jumanji movie, he actually spilled the beans that initially WrestleMania 29 was scheduled to be a three-way for the belt between himself, John Cena, and the aforementioned CM Punk. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. But again, I can't really fault WWE. Like I said earlier, like it was the highest grossing WrestleMania of all time. Of course, you try to run that back and see if you can catch lightning in a bottle again, right? Once in a lifetime, unless there's money to be made. Rock Cena 2, Electric Boogaloo. And of course, money is the most important thing. But I think the, most imp- the other most important thing for the history and for the future of the WWE was... The one thing Punk bitched about more than anything was old guys beating the young guys. Cena had to get his win back. Yeah, moving forward, that's fair. Now, speaking of WrestleMania 29, while, as Mag said, they did eclipse the buy rate, i.e. the box office. 28 did 8.9 million, 29 did 12.3 million. The pay-per-view buy rate was down because everybody, it was the march to the inevitable, right? So, WrestleMania 30, Triple H, his entrance. Can you guys name the three women? Charlotte, Charlotte Flair, Sasha, Alexa Bliss. Well, damn, you could have said it a little more dramatic. Goddamn, we're podcasting, okay? <laughs> we're not having a conversation just amongst ourselves, sir. Oh, the recorder's not working, and I guess we are. <laughs> Also, WrestleMania 30 was the first mania since 19 that the WWE title changed hands, but it wasn't to John Cena. That's it. Right? And speaking about you know, because th- this is always a big thing every five years, they talk about how wrestling needs to make new stars. WrestleMania 30 was also the first WrestleMania in 14 years where every single winner on the card was under 40 years old. 
WWE is, is apparently the land of, of of old wrestlers where where they don't make new stars. So yeah, go figure. Touche, touche. So real quick, so we did put up a Twitter poll this week in regards to the Mania MVPs for this block. Sonny, if you don't mind, if you could pull that up for me, man, and 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 while I'm going through the uh, the candidates, that'll give you time to pull it up so we can read the results. Don't say nothing yet because you got your mouth open. Undertaker, for obvious reasons. I mean, he he had absolute bangers during this particular block, the end of the era match, and of course the streak ends his great match with Punk. John Cena, you, you got to throw Cena up there because this particular block of Mania was very Cena-centric. And The Rock has to be up there because him and Cena, they, again, they main evented. They basically main evented three consecutive WrestleManias, had the highest had the highest box office rate of all time. And Daniel Bryan, I had to throw him out there because even though, you know, that one Mania was really all it was, was Mania 38. That Yes movement, man, was such a pop culture phenomenon, as Ray alluded to earlier. I, I felt like it it had to be mentioned, right? He had to get some mention as the MVP. And so, he had major he had major moments at 28 and 29, too, so it's not like he was a one-show wrestler. That's true, that's true. Now, according to our Twitter poll, the fans, you all that are listening, you voted, and Tony's going to put it up right here. And The Undertaker with a whopping 39% was considered the MVP for Mania's 25 to 30. Now, Mags, I personally, I would have went the rack because of him coming back and everything that meant, but what say you, man? Who who was the MVP? And we'll just go around the horn right quick before we wrap it up. You, you Nobody has to give a dissertation, but who was your MVP from this block of Manias? Okay, I voted for The Rock. I felt that this was... Uh three-fifths of this whole block was a rock uh, vanity project. Uh, he, like you said, he, he essentially headlined three WrestleManias in a row. Um, I would have had Undertaker as a close second just because this was the 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 end of the best uh, run of Undertaker WrestleMania matches. But for me, this was all about The Rock. It's just funny you said uh, The Rock and three-fifths in the same sentence. I'm immature. I need to go up. Ray, <laughs> who was your MVP here? The presumed greatest WrestleMania greatest, greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Streak versus the career. The um, For Whom the Bell Tolls last outlaw match. The end of an era. Versus CM Punk for Paul. For Paul and the streak is broken. The Undertaker ruled 25 through 30. Not just in best matches, not just in ring quality, but in biggest moments, and he drew a lot of those manias too. Tony, you want to chime in, man, before we wrap it up? I'd agree with Undertaker. I think Cena's right up there too, along with The Rock. They're kind of side by side. Um, Triple H has a lot to do with this, and and everybody kind of forgets about Shawn Michaels. But I think Undertaker is the appropriate pick here in my mind. Fair enough, and I hope you listeners had as much fun listening as we did recording this. Mags, brother, it's been an honor, privilege, and pleasure. I appreciate you coming on, man. Why don't you let the good folks know where they can find you and everything you got going on, sir? Firstly, the honor is absolutely old, man. Uh, I don't get enough opportunities to work with the the rest of you amazingly talented people at Chair Shop. So anytime I get that call, uh, yeah, you know I'm going to be there. Uh, you can follow me on social media. I only do the Twitters. 
at DJ Kirby, where I'm normally getting argued with or blocked or getting to spouts with people. Um, the the content I do for for chair shot is uh, Badlands, where me and Paul Tully we discuss uh, the Mount Rushmore's of wrestling with a, a weekly guest, and then uh, me and my uh, son Carlos, the uh, the current British hardcore uh, 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 MMA champion, um, we uh, cover the the UFC events for five rounds. So yeah, you can find me pretty much all over the chair shot, and then on chair shot daily radio, uh, Raina. We are the midweek mainstay with head trauma. We just just kick it every week. Yeah, just have a great time. So yeah, I'm all over the chair shop. And we gotta we're gonna get you on three man weave when we start doing that again because especially for this UFC card that's happening in late April. I'm I'm very curious about your thoughts about that. But Ray, let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on. Well, unlike Mags, the honor was all yours. Um but anyway, I'm joking. Uh, you know I love you guys All you guys are my brothers um, I, Hell I got a whole show with all, I, I have a show with both All three of y'all so you know what it is I'm at It's Ray Cash R-A-Y as in Mysterio C-A-S-H as in Dollars Of course I'll at the Outsider's Edge We are making a comeback we'll do a Mania preview Look out for that um, And hitting it hard at the, Wrestle, at the Wrestlemania And uh, come get some head trauma Every Thursday on Chair Shot Radio With me and the Big Fish that's Max for the record. The Big Fish. Shout out to the Big Fish. Mr. Tunney, you're everywhere on Chair Shot. Let, tell people what you want them to know about you, and, and then we'll get the rest of what you got going on next week, apparently. You can find me at PC Tunney. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Chair Shot Radio Network. Please continue to listen to Chair Shot Radio, and uh, we appreciate your listenership. And uh, th- this is a family. We want you to be involved in it. So get in on the Chair Shot family. Interact with us as much as you can and, and keep listening. We appreciate you. We appreciate each and every one of you all. You can find me on Twitter at the Real C Plat. But more importantly, again, if you appreciate the content we provide day in and day out, make sure you all make sure that we keep providing that content day in and day out. And the way you do that is by going to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and picking up an official chair shot t-shirt. Okay. Also support our other sponsor, Angry Lemonade as well. Support our sponsors so we can keep putting out this content that you provide. Shout out to Angry Lemonade as well. That's a cool website. You go there, you're going to find something you like. Just like if you go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot, please. Thank you. Thank you. And please, I want to thank my esteemed panel coming on this week. We really do appreciate you all. We'll see you guys back here next week for the finale of Mania Madness, where we're going to get real. We're going to get relevant, and we're going to get recent. But until then, God bless you all. We'll see you back here next week. Same plat time, same plat channel. Shalom. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the greatest sports entertainment spectacular of all time. Welcome to WrestleMania! TheChairShot.com Always use your head.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.